0: Welcome to the Ripple Effect Podcast. I'm your host Ricky Verandas. Today we have part two to a conversation that Vinny, James, and I had about three months ago, episode 138. So please check out that podcast to find out how and why we all came together to do this show and how we all met and all that stuff. So it's a a fun little journey and a a fun little story that you'll hear on episode 138. So please check that out. Uh, Today we continue a lot of that conversation. Uh, Unfortunately, Vinny had the time zones wrong on uh, our start time, which isn't uncommon. It happens all the time when we're dealing with so many people from different time zones. And so the show started off with just James and I talking. I was kind of trying to delay James, keep him uh, going as long as I could until Vinny joined us. But uh, honestly, it just ended up being such a a fun conversation that we had prior to to Vinny joining us that I'm going to share basically the whole thing. So in the beginning, it's going to be James and I talking and some of the stuff we talk about with uh, technology and current events and a a bunch of stuff. And then Vinny joins us and then James has to go. And then I continue talking with Vinny for a little bit. So uh, I think you have like 45 minutes of me and James talking, 45 minutes of the three of us talking, and then 45 minutes of just uh, Vinny and I uh, talking. So hopefully you enjoy all of it, and it was a really fun conversation. It uh, I love talking to these two guys. They're just really easy to talk to, and they both have such interesting perspectives and opinions on things, and it's fun to just meet people through the internet like we have, and, and like I told uh, Vinny and I've told James before, uh, you, know, you feel like you've established these friendships with people that you've never actually met before in person, but uh, you've spent so many hours talking with them that you, you really do feel like uh, you've established some type of bond and friendship so it's fun uh, thank god that the internet exists during uh, the time period that i've been alive because i've been really really able to utilize it to, to do things like this and connect with people and do my little part of starting a ripple effect so like i always tell you guys please subscribe to us on youtube you can find video versions of all our episodes part one of this conversation episode 138 it is a video episode you'll be able to see the three of us talking for some reason my software that i've been using to record my skype conversations have hasn't been working that great so i for some reason didn't record the video skype connection the last couple podcasts i've done so i apologize for that i'll try to figure that out and hopefully the next couple episodes if uh, the guest calls in using video you'll be able to visually see me and the guest talk on our youtube channel so just search the ripple effect podcast or rv36 which is the name of the channel also subscribe to us on on any podcast app that uh is available we're there on we're also on google play itunes all that stuff and follow us on twitter at rv36 instagram at rv36 or you can find us on facebook the ripple effect podcast or uh, you can just throw me a friend request. Uh, just look up Ricky Verandas or Ricardo Verandas and you'll be able to find me. And uh, I think that's it. So, a bunch of great shows coming up. Um, hoping to get this show out soon so I can get a, a few shows out uh, this week and enjoy the conversation. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace. Uh-
1: taking some guitar lessons he told me. I have indeed. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's not the first time. Oh, really? You've given it this is your your second attempt of uh Yeah, well, I took like 3 4 months of lessons back when I was 18. And then for the last 20 years, I've basically just maintained that exact same level I was at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I oh, thought maybe it's time to actually learn. Oh, so you did you did uh, play every once in a while and, and kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I went at probably like a decade without a guitar, but for the last four or five years I've had one. I just noodle around on it. But I thought maybe I should do more than just noodle.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how's it been going? It has, uh, has he been helping a
1: lot with. Uh, oh, yeah, lighting? yeah, yeah. The first thing he taught me was. Uh, I, I was just uh, demonstrating some something for him, just so he could get a feel for my level. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you're not strumming right. You got to learn. No, you got to strum like this." And it was just so basic. I was like, "What strumming? I I can strum the guitar, but actually, he showed me how to do a universal strumming, and (laughs) instantly improved my playing. So (laughs) he's uh, he knows what he's doing." Yeah, it's funny, those little, little things that you don't even think much of, you know, exactly, just those yeah, little yeah. details. I'm that, like, I know, I know I need help with this. I know I need help with that. But I didn't think about strumming. But yeah, hey, it actually helps. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing about lessons is that you, you probably if you practice
0: enough, you'll probably figure out the correct way eventually. But that yeah. road is. Gonna well, be, that's the thing, actually, because
1: yeah. when he showed me that I, like at first I had to really think very hard about it but after i got the hang of it i'm like oh, i was i was kind of already doing that yeah. i just needed someone to show me the proper way to do it yeah that's that that's yeah it, you, sure. you do kind of just hit on it eventually
0: i mean now we have the internet which is you know somebody learning an instrument they can go online and and figure
1: out what they're yeah. doing wrong and all the yeah technology. yeah 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 that's the thing because i like when i read you know that beatles Lewis and book or whatever and i'm reading about them Learning songs, like learning a song back in 1961 or whatever, was in a, a completely different world. Like today, I just type the song into a search engine and find like 18 different tabs and exactly. just, you know, learn it that way. But back in the day, you listen and you have to figure out the chords. And it's not like you can just it's not like you're on an iPod or whatever. You're listening anywhere you go. You have to go to a record store or buy the record and just listen to it over and over until you get it. Which is, you know, it's a huge advantage for people in that era because you have to really learn how to do it. Whereas today you just type it in and you just, oh, yeah, okay, I got the chords. You never really learn that. I guess that's the
0: argument with technology, right? Because like my father being old school, you know, we'll be doing math for work, whatever. And. I'll take out the calculator immediately, even if it's like simple math. Yeah. And he's yeah, just like, yeah. "What are you going to do without the calculator?" I'm like, "Dad, well, I'll never not have a calculator. If anything, I'll only, <laughs> I, as technology, yeah. you know, I'm like now. I think going forward, I'll only have access to more stuff to make my life yeah. easier, probably not less. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it, but it's weird because it makes you wonder if that talent of of being able to to figure things out without the technology in the long run helps you compared to maybe taking yeah. the shortcuts. But, I mean, I guess yeah. it's like, I, I forget who said it, but uh, why, why memorize something you can look up? You know, it's like, why take yeah. up
1: brain space? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. For, And that makes sense, like, to a certain extent in certain fields. But now that we have the smartphones in our hands at all times, you don't need to know anything. You don't need to remember anything. You can look everything up. And they say that it really is rewiring our brain, that we really are becoming just so dependent on this technology that we are not actually learning things anymore, which is, uh, well, there's probably, some I don't know. I, I do find something a bit uh, disturbing about that.
0: Well, having access to information doesn't necessarily mean, you know why it's important or why, you know, or what to do with it or how to, um, I guess use it to, to, uh, to,
1: understand. well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, it's not just memory. I don't think memorization by itself is important, but having, I mean, there's a when you have the information at your fingertips without having to work it out, then you are missing a step in that process that does decontextify the information. So it's exactly like when you learn a song. When I learn a song and I just look up, oh, it's, you know, C, G, D7 or whatever. I'm not learning the musicality of that. I'm just reading, oh, okay, this chord, this chord, this chord. And I put them together and, oh, it sounds about right. But I don't I don't understand it on a level where if I'm working out the song by ear or whatever, I'm learning how to how to do that. And I'm learning the the different ways that the chords go together in, I think, a different a different manner.
0: Yeah, well, that journey, because I remember when I first started playing guitar, uh, I was probably one of the the last people in my group of friends who had like a computer at home. So I didn't have the access to the Internet. So I, uh, you know, I I would listen to stuff on the radio, and of course, record it on a cassette, and and yeah. I would listen to it over and over again, and that journey of figuring out wh- what note you're missing or wh- why it doesn't sound yeah. right, and like hitting every single note, trying to figure yeah. out like which one is it, you know, like that journey. Yeah. I, I mean, you figured every time you're not hitting it correctly, your brain's processing. The, all those yep. different sounds and all the exact- you know yeah, so, yeah, yeah. where like and what does you,
1: work and what doesn't work and ex- exactly yeah, exactly you're getting a different experience out of it
0: where if you just know the tabs you go right to the right note you never uh, explore the guitar. You never explore all the tones, all the sounds, all the different uh, frets. So yeah. because of it, yeah, you yeah. probably... Because, I mean, really note patterns is, you know, or, or scales or, or, you know, I guess note patterns is what I call it. But the scales, like what is pleasant to your ear, what note from going from one note to another, um, uh, you know, before there was the internet and, and people could have access to stuff, I mean, a lot of it was just figured out by just listening to it, by just, you know, what mm-hmm. sounded good. And, and even before they figured out the scales, you figured... You know, they they created these scales based on just listening to it and what sounded pleasant. Yeah, yeah. And knowing those slight yep. differences from one note to another, you know, like uh, a note being sharp and a note not being sharp. It's like you might not notice it if I'm just playing it, but if I if I play them right one right after one another, you might yeah. pick up on it. You know, those slight differences. Yep. So, it, exactly, it, music is is it's a it's a weird thing because it's it brings everybody together. It's so. Powerful in the way it moves you. Uh, you know, you hear comedians talk about all the time how, you know, they hate the fact that every year they have to write a whole new set, you know, but if they tell a joke, you know if they they, they're going on tour and you see them a second time in a year and there or or in two years and they tell the same joke you're like what the fuck i heard this already (laughs) but but yet with musicians it's the complete opposite like you want them to play all the old stuff you play something new and you're like what the fuck i don't i don't know this song play that old stuff i like so it's funny how it resonates with people and it constantly it almost can tap into that emotion uh Mm -hmm. over and over again regardless you know how many times you hear it where like a, a comedy it's it's funny and it makes you laugh but once it makes you laugh once it's like you can't yeah. laugh you don't laugh about uh, again you know or at least not quite yeah, as hard exactly. you know every time you hear it, it like it affects you a little less where with music it
1: can you know certain songs will give you the chills and years later it'll still give you the chills you know the same yeah exactly right it is interesting and i've thought about that from the musician's perspective and the comedian's perspective the comedian is always jealous of the musician because it's like you can just do the same song and you yeah. don't have to constantly you know reinvent your set um, but I think the musician gets trapped by that, because twenty years later, you're still playing the same songs every night because it's the ones that everyone wants to hear if you've had a successful song, right? and uh, i can I can understand the feeling of being trapped by your own success like that, where you're kind of chained to these things that you did when you were twenty years old and you're a forty year old person now and you know, in a different place, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's weird, too, just thinking about, you know,
0: just the beginning of music, how how old it is, and, and uh, you know, just how it brought people together. And even going to concerts, I remember growing up and going to, like, metal shows or, or electronic music or whatever. It didn't matter what sk- skin color you were, what ideology you had. I mean, most of the time, you know, I was young where you didn't even have one. But it was just none, nothing mattered. Like, you're all there for that one common thing, and, and nothing else mattered. And uh, But there is something that's powerful about um, or dangerous I should say about really loving a musician because I've seen musicians that will have really ridiculous views and you know a whole show will be sold out and in between you know a couple songs they'll talk about Trump or they'll talk about whatever and uh, they'll just say some really just you uh, you know kind of just picking that low hanging fruit. You're just saying what everybody, you know, what you know you're going to get some cheers for. Yeah. And uh, similar to yeah. that, like Eminem, little, uh, Eminem, yeah. you know, that, that little rap that <laughs> went viral for I have no idea why. And then everybody just goes crazy. And then it reminds me of, at times, it, it feels almost like you could get caught up in this cult, you know, like, so in other words, you love this musician for their music because it touches you, but then you you believe yeah. everything yeah. they say because you love their music because you you look up to them but mm-hmm. they should be not one and the same you know they should be completely different you should but it it, it is it, it seems a lot like like the dnc when you see a poll everybody's there they're so it's so group think it's so everybody's just cheering because they're so caught up in this momentum and this this group of being excited about everything that you know what's going on and then whatever a politician says during the dnc or the rnc it's like everybody's like yeah yeah going crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. and a musician yeah. very similar and uh, exactly
1: and that's why music is always a part of religious rituals or whatever. It is that communal experience, and it does get everyone on the same page. And then there's the message that, you know, here's and here's what you do with this information. It is it is kind of a way of, I guess, getting people into a certain mental state, emotional state, yeah. whatever, but that they're respect, receptive.
0: I mean, music without lyrics was always interesting to me. That's why I kind of like electronic music because it didn't have any words. It didn't have anything. It was trying to sell you. It was kind of like you, wherever the music took you is where you went, and it didn't. You didn't you know it didn't have to be wherever the musician attended it to to go you just go you know you just feel something and whatever i guess maybe thing that happened in your life that was tragic that it brings you to or whatever good feelings or bad feelings that it brings out it's all kind of self-created and it's not like a lyric that you know you can kind of dissect and figure out what they're trying to tell you and uh to, to me it was it was it was almost like it was much easier to self-reflect when listening to music that didn't have lyrics because you could kind of, you kind of yeah. go in this trance, you know, I, it was funny cause I, growing up, I, I, I was always attracted to trance music because of that idea of like, I like driving And and just being, uh, just having it kind of—it was repetitive, so it was kind of like you didn't. Your brain wasn't really specifically. The music wasn't specifically getting your attention because there was nothing going on that was too um, drastic that got caught your attention. So you'd kind of get in this trance where you kind of just zone off and think about things, and it was very therapeutical to
1: me. And uh, and and I. So there, there is something about uh, music. Well, I, uh, I I saw an interview. I think it was. I think it was the author of the uh, big short. I don't remember the guy's name, but I think it was that guy. Anyway, um, he was talking about when he was writing or when whenever he's writing, he uh, he creates a, a, like a mixtape, I think on cassette, actually, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> At any rate, he's so and he makes a mixtape mix of whatever, 10 songs or something. And then he listens to that same mixtape over and over for the entire time that he's writing a specific novel. And he says it's because like once you hear the same thing, whatever, 10 times or whatever, it becomes so kind of just background, like it's almost a subconscious thing. And so he can write to it because it's It's, so completely sort of it's just something to kind of keep his mind occupied while he's doing something. Uh, I don't don't know if I could do that myself, but I kind of get the idea.
0: Well, that's funny because that's exactly how I used to write. When I used to write my lyrics, I I would find a song that I knew was... uh, could, was like kind of moody or or what kind of the vibe that I was trying to write. And I would just replay it over and over again. I'd play that one song over to the point where, like you said, it became background noise. Like your brain just stopped registering it you know and uh, it's almost like it's funny how your brain does that because it's uh, my father-in-law he uh, delivers gas to gas stations and I remember like one of the first times I saw him at a gas station uh, working and we stopped to say uh, hi me and the wife uh, stopped to say hi and I'm like damn this shit smells and then uh, I'm like how do you smell this uh, you know all the time Mm -hmm. for a living he's like my brain stopped uh, uh, registering that scent 20 years ago you know and it's just like his brain's like okay well you're this scent is just you're not doing anything about it so what's the point to keep giving you these these signals that's you know so uh, it's it's almost kind of like a slimmer type of thing where your brain's just like okay yeah it it just you kind of just it becomes background and you your brain
1: think about the implications of that though because i think that's not just sensory experience that's all experience we get used to certain stimuli or certain inputs and it becomes the baseline so we don't even notice it anymore so if we're in a I mean, any system—a political system or an economic system or whatever—that is screwed up and horrible and weird and you know not natural or not not the not in line with what we want. If we if it's all we've known our whole life, we just kind of it just becomes the the water we're swimming in, so we don't notice it.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's funny you say that because I just finished watching Manhunt, which is the. The, the netflix or it actually isn't netflix i think discovery channel did it but it was on netflix on uh the unabomber case and uh mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting and it, i usually you know I'm, I'm one of those people where i'm just like well i can either watch a documentary where it's like real life corruption and conspiracy or i can watch some made-up shit and i'm like I'll, I'll watch the real life thing but because it was based on um you know the real story and my buddy who watched it and suggested it to me, I'm like, Hey, do they happen to talk about, you know, the Harvard study, the MK ultra, anything like that. And he's like, they actually do have that in the film. I'm like, okay, then in that case, I'm going to watch it because it seems like they didn't, you know, they didn't leave that very important part out that yeah. the government yeah, yeah. might possibly been a part of creating one of the most popular, you know, murderers of of our time. And, uh, so I watched it and it's funny just like re remembering his, uh, his, manifesto and his uh, ideas and they have this uh, spoiler alert hopefully if anybody wants to watch it I'm not giving away too much obviously I'm sure most people are very familiar with the Unabomber story but the FBI agent who was one of the guys who was most responsible with catching him he really agreed with his his uh, manif- manifesto and he talked about how every time he was at a red light and it was like late night there's no cars anywhere and he's at this red light and he's just waiting there and this, and he's like, why am I waiting here? And he would think about this manifesto, this idea of like how technology we think it it gives us freedom, but it actually makes us more less free, you know. It, it, and yeah. you're you're, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. you know, and and it really it's it seems, it's yeah. cr- you know, just because he obviously did some very harmful things doesn't mean
1: his and his, a lot of his ideas. A, the it, idea, yeah, right? Yeah, and the his idea. ideas like, came, and, he, and yeah, as you say, he has reason to. To to know that specifically from the way he was tortured in MK Ultra, but um, yeah, uh, there was an excellent documentary if you wanted a documentary on it. I the, think it was called The Net. The Net, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And about that's it. Yep. yeah. So I've always I saw that years and years ago, and I've always wanted to do an episode on that, but I haven't put it together yet. But well, I really should because it is a fascinating story on on the Unabomber. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, his, his his his. You know, it, it's so true because I mean, just you you read and. Obviously, he had a lot of childhood things that happened and stuff. But a lot of his 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 uh, philosophies came before even at the MK Ultra. Before he was a part of the MK Ultra stuff, this was just stuff from a really what a lot. You know, obviously, according to his, uh, his, you know, his IQ, he was a genius. It was just a guy who had really interesting perspectives and stuff. I think it was the MK Ultra, him being a part of that uh, the project, was what pushed him over the edge. But prior to that, he was. I mean, I remember in in the film just him uh just talking to his his friends and his Harvard professor about his philosophies on how technology is he's like you know this is just my opinion on how I think technology is actually restricting us instead of giving us all this freedoms and we think it's giving us freedoms but every time we get freedoms you know your modem is dialing up and you're sitting there and you're waiting you're it's a red light you're sitting there and you're waiting you're you're you know you think hopping in your car is freedom but you got to stay between these lines and you have to stop at these signs and you gotta and and, it, and it's it really it's really interesting because it, his his philosophy, if it was written prior to him doing all that, it might be a really interesting just piece of work. But, of course, after what he did, it's like now everybody discards him as I mean, kind of a, yeah. a, a maniac. But if you look at his manifesto alone, a lot of that stuff, I mean, it, you almost feel bad for him in, in the film because um, it's like he's trying to... It's like he's trying to warn everybody, you know, and and that was his only. Way. Obviously, it wasn't a, a very uh, smart or or, or, or civil or, or moral way to warn people, but it was like he he didn't know what else to do, and because he had this social anxiety, and it was his his best way of of getting his message across, and he and he he knew it was the only way that his work would live forever, and uh, but it, it's you know it does make you rethink all the stuff, and this goes back to technology, like it just. It, it it's it almost seems like we've already decided we'd rather live in a virtual reality anyway. like that that this rea- because if you look you go anywhere and I don't know how it is in Japan but if you go anywhere here like everybody is looking down at their phone. You're at yep. You're you're at a uh, you know you're at the mall. People are looking down at their phone. People are at dinner. They're looking down at their phone. Uh, you're wherever people are looking down on their phone. So, what you're saying is this little screen and you know, in this virtual reality that lives in there, like you rather be there, you know, have your attention mm-hmm. there than the world around you. And mm-hmm. so, this idea of like total recall, you know, the Arnold movie where you know, or, or even Black Mirror, I think, had a had an episode that was like that where you know, people were would rather live in this, you know, put on this headset, you know, hook me up to some machines that keep this physical body alive but put my brain somewhere else where I can have all the fancies I want and, yeah. and whatnot like that doesn't seem that far-fetched you know I remember when right. when, when yeah. bitcoin started getting popular people were like oh that seems crazy I'm like Kind of, but I remember when when you know debit cards and credit cards were getting popular, and my parents, who are old-school Portuguese, are like, "Oh, I'm never gonna put use one of those." I'm like, "I can't see my money. That's crazy, you know." Or, uh, or, or even online banking, they're like, "Oh, that's never gonna catch on because you know who's gonna put all their information online and only do the uh, work online, and you never get to physically touch your money." They're like that's mm-hmm. like it. It's basically Bitcoin. It's just digital <laughs> money. I mean, it's it's uh so, yeah.
1: And they are right. I mean, you do spend more when you are on a card or whatever than handling physical cash because you, your brain can't process that in the same way. Um, yeah, I was just at the park the other day with my my boy and uh, w- went past uh, some guy who was sitting there on his phone and just going like this, just tapping <laughs> his phone. I'm like, what What on earth is he doing? And then I walk past this other group of people. They're all sitting there with their iPads or whatever doing this. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's Pokemon Go or whatever. I don't know. The next augmented reality. They must have found a Pokemon. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about Pokemon, but whatever it was, it's augmented reality, which is the first step towards just cocooning ourselves in the Matrix, I guess. And uh, you're right. I think the thing is people think that this is just the technology that is that is making people want this. No, no, no. People, I think there is already that, that inbuilt desire. And there was a meme that I saw uh, uh, some months ago on Twitter that um, was really interesting. It was A picture from the 1940s or 50s or whatever, and it's just a bunch of people on a bus or a tram or something, and every single person on the tram is just sitting there with a newspaper in front of them, looking down at the newspaper. And it's the 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 meme is something like, uh, you know, oh, this newfangled technology is making everyone into you know uh, zombies or something. And it's it's right because we all look at this people with the smartphone, you know, the picture of everyone sitting there with their smartphone, but it's the same urge that's been there for a long time people just want to you know block themselves off and get walled into their own little world and now the technology is making that easier and easier because i think that's what people want so the technology the engineers are making that into reality
0: now i've seen that meme and i kind of had mixed feelings on it because i didn't know what to think of it like in in one way you can make the argument that at, we had obviously thought that n- newspapers were going to be, you know, the end of us being social and whatnot, and it didn't. We had we kind of adapted, and it didn't end societies and, and, and friendships and, and whatnot. Now, do you take away that same thing with
1: cell phones that we will adapt, we will, or is this a much stronger? Much- you see, my takeaway—that's interesting because my I see that interpretation of it. My, my takeaway is we've always wanted this. But now it is possible. Hmm. We've always been stumbling or trying to find some version of this. But now it's technologically possible to do. I think it's just the same, the same thing that people have always kind of wanted. is just to have their own virtual world. And now, hey, you can.
0: Yeah, that's kind of. But, and then can't you make the argument with – there, you can't – I mean it's, it's similar to Skype, for example. I, I, you've done in-person interviews with people and there's a connection – that you can't recreate with Skype. You know, there's there's a a comfort level. There's there's something. I mean, I don't even know if I can if I can describe it. But there's but everybody understands it exists. I mean, it's the same reason why people still would rather be in the room during uh, a meeting than just Skype me in or a conference call or a or, concert. Or, yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. Why Why do we go to concerts? Especially. I mean. At least, uh, if you're if it's rock music, metal music, or whatever, where there's actual musicians, it sounds different live. But if it's a pop musician and they're literally playing digital music in the background, then really there's absolutely and yeah, and lip syncing. <laughs> there's no reason it's, uh, but there is something about seeing the person and and being a part of some energy that's that you can't really describe. And I wonder if we think this is what we want, but when we get it, we're going to realize it's not quite the same. It's but we can play we can play tricks on our, our brain. I mean, look at breast implants, for example, like I know it's a silly (laughs) example, but, but think about it. Like we're tricking our brain. We know they're fake, but we're tricking our brain to believe that like, okay, you know, they're fake, but we're still like primitive enough to be like, well, they look real. And, you know, I can kind of get past the fact that I know they're fake. You know, it's, it still has that, that that chemical reaction, you know, in our body or that hormonal reaction in our body. Um, And it's, so I wonder if you can still trick your brain, or if we to, to that extent we wouldn't be able to trick our brain, that, that there's still something about community. I mean, and this goes back to, and I've talked about this a bunch of times with, um, with, with uh, past guests Christopher Ryans and uh, uh, Justin Wren, who's a, a Bellator fighter who uh, went to the Congo and, and fell in love with these pygmy people and now his whole life journey is just uh, to, to, to um, get money to, to help build wells and, and help these pygmy people. And, uh, and he dealt with depression and all this stuff and then he met these picnic people and he, and they, were, they didn't have shit but they they were happy and they were together in this community and he fell in love with that and we talked a lot when he was on about like just seeing these these tribal people who don't have any signs of anxiety or depression and you know none of this stuff and, and yet we have everything you know material wise and our over, you know trying to self-medicate with prescription drugs and alcohol and 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 vape vaping and 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 uh and all this stuff you know and and you know so i wonder if that's because there's something about the community that, and we you know i think um you and i have talked about the suburbs and 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 how you know this idea how unnatural and 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 how unhappy you can be when you you pull into your garage you don't know your neighbors your neighbors don't know you you work at a cubicle you have no interaction with people and that you know i just think that that's a that alone i think is a huge cause of many of our issues this this lack of of, of connecting and 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 being around people and and you know uh, you, you see it with kids i think you know i always say this cuz i think with kids you can really learn from them and you see it with kids like my kids don't care if i raise them in this modest little house I live in or a multi-million dollar house like as long as I'm around and dad's around that's all they care about you know I could buy them the most I could work a hundred hours a week never be around and buy them the most expensive toy every week and when they get older they're gonna be like dad was a shithead he was never around but I could I could be homeless you know living in a car with my kids but I could love them and be there for them and play with them and laugh with them and they're gonna look up uh, uh, when they get older. They're gonna look back at, at, at their childhood and be like, "Dad was awesome. He did everything he could." And and it, so those material things don't mean shit. It was it's it's about being together in that community. Yeah. And yeah. and and I think as we get older, and this goes back, you know, we've talked about this hundreds of times about you know just corporations selling you this idea like you need this product. This is gonna make you happy. Buy this product. Buy this product. <laughs> you know, and propaganda and and all the. Uh, the 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 ways that they've learned to pull at your your desires and wants and and convince you that like okay this is what makes you happy, you know, and, and, and if you buy this Cadillac, you're you're getting this image that you're a successful businessman and that image is what you want and that's gonna make you happy, you know? And uh you know, so it, it, it's it's interesting because it, it's almost like we have to even though technology's moving so you know forward so so quickly, like it's almost like to really Find happiness. It has to be somewhere in between, you know, our primitive ancestors and maybe the future that we're we're leading
1: to. You know, right? Well, it's Maslow's pyramid, and the question is, you know, can we? Is the top layer necessary? What if we have all the creature comforts we could ever need? Do you really need the, you know, social validation and love and all of that when you have Facebook likes and, you know, you're popular on YouTube? (laughs) You know, I mean, exactly. What are people chasing? And Um, I mean, I think you hit on such an important point because the fundamental question, which it all goes back to and it keeps going back to is what does it really mean to be human? Because we can be just robots or, you know, animals or whatever. And that uh, the worst part about all of this is that it's not just that the engineers who are working on these technologies are playing into the things that we want. They are. They are exploiting loopholes in our brain or in our programming, so that we become addicted to these things, and that's not speculation. Um, there was an interesting article up on Axios.com a, a month or two ago. Sean Parker unloads on Facebook exploiting human psychology. Sean Parker being one of the uh, the, the founding president of Facebook, actually, who's talking about the way that um, he now realizes that what what they were doing when they were creating Facebook was it, consciously trying to exploit. Um, people's vulnerabilities in their psychology, and to um, basically play on social validation uh, needs in people to maximize engagement. That was what it was all about. You know, how much can we make people use this? And now he's saying it's gone way too far. This is crazy. Um, I wouldn't give this to my kids. It is re- rewiring people's brains in ways that we can't even comprehend yet. Um, they are, Basically, it is very much like the uh, the 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 old behaviorist experiments with pigeons or whatever. You know we can make them do this. We can make them do that to try to get their pellets. and suddenly we can have pigeons that know how to you know do counterclockwise turns and whatever to to get the food pellet. You can make people do certain behaviors and get them habituated into certain patterns um just by giving the right validation here and there. And that's exactly what is being done to humanity on a human-wide scale right now. And the question is, can we transcend that? I mean, is there anything above that that is the essence of humanity that makes us different than those pigeons and rats and lab animals that can be trained? Or is there something, you know, is there something we can tap into that that transcends that? And I'd like to think there is, but it has to be a conscious decision to do that. We have to consciously break the programming because otherwise it is so easy to get trapped in this and never understand why we are so so empty, why it's our lives feel so impoverished, why we don't feel happy, why are we constantly sad, even though we have all these incredible, wondrous technologies that make life so easy that would have made, you know, people a thousand years ago would have marveled at the things that we do on a daily basis. And here we are in this and nobody's happy. Why is that? It's because there is some essence to humanity that is different than just our base animal needs. And if if we don't recognize that, if we don't break the programming you know where does that leave us? It leaves us uh, unhappy and ensconced, cocooned in this technology a shell. This uh, this illusion of freedom that is in fact completely prescribed. Our lives will be exactly within this cocoon, and don't try to break out of the cocoon.
0: Well, th- well, that's the thing. Even with uh, you know, you hear certain people talk about order and 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 all this stuff. It's it's really like a f- false idea of order because it's like you know oh we need government we need this to have order or there be chaos and it's like well do we really have order because okay we have a court system we have police officers we have st- certain things that we say oh this th- these things are necessary to have order but those things are really i mean they're they're easily manipulated they're they for some people you know oh yeah you have to follow these guidelines it's you know you have to go to court you have to but if i know the cop he'll let me you know he'll let me off or if uh if i can afford a really expensive mm-hmm. lawyer who can find a loophole or knows the judge so it's like it, this order is just like oh it's for everybody who doesn't have the resources
1: yeah. you know but it's yeah it, it's a game yeah yeah it, that it's a game and you can break the rules if you're if you're the person making them right exactly yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. i yeah.
0: You know, and and that's the thing. You know, the, the use, it, it's it it really is. It's fucking crazy times, and it's you know. I think these conversations are super important because there isn't qu- quite. It's not really quite sure what what the answer is. You know, it's like everybody's kind of just throwing out ideas, and nobody's quite sure what the answer is. But you have to you have to challenge them. You have to challenge everything and you have to challenge your your beliefs you have to challenge other people's beliefs and you and you have to search for those answers and i think that journey is so important and I, I think too many people like you said they kind of just become sheeple they just go with the herd and they just you know ignorance is bliss and i i don't know i mean i guess it, it's you know it, it's always interesting to me because i'm so and i've heard you talk about this because i think our wives are very are very similar they could Care less about what we do, you know, and uh, and and you know, I remember first time I, I booked uh, Jesse Ventura, I was like so excited. I'm like, hey, I'm like, you know, who I just got on the show because it's somebody that she knows, you know, and I figured maybe she'd be a little excited. And of course, she's like, yeah. Anyways, uh, did you take out the trash? And and, and you know, it's and it's just to <laughs> yeah. it like you know to it, to me, it's 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 weird because I I try to sometimes analyze it, and I'm like I'm like I don't know, is she happier because of it, you know, but. But in a way, it, could I live like that? I couldn't live like that? Like to me, it would. Mm. It, I, I I I created this podcast. So similar reasons to why you you're doing what you do is is because you feel like you maybe don't have a. I don't know if you feel like you have an obligation, but I feel like you know. To me, it's just like uh, there's something missing if I'm not trying to do something to make the world a little yeah. better, even if it's just yeah. a little bit of change. Even if I it, the the effects of of my my doings are very little. I, I can't sleep at night knowing that I'm just going right. to a, a, you know, a 40-hour-a-week job and I'm just doing, you know, going along with right. the, the right. herd. And, but
1: there's a trap that we could fall into here in thinking that what we're doing is making the world a better place and what people like that are doing is just kind of sleepwalking through life, but... Uh, No, don't sell, don't sell that short. My wife is making a a wonderful home for my family. That is making the world a better place. That is contributing to the next generation that is going to grow up to either be loving, caring individuals or, you know, little brats. And Thankfully, you know, with a loving wife making a nice home, that is helping the next generation there. I think there has to be a place for all the different types of people in society. And my ideal for a future that I would like to live in would be a world where not everyone has to be, you know, constantly activist and concerned about these things and worrying about this and that. It It's a place where people can be you know, just interested in creating a better home. That should be a way that people can live their lives if that's what they want. And that's, I think, what we have to aim at is to recognize that everyone has different tastes and interests and things that they get excited about and uh, and hopefully create a world where that can that that can coexist peacefully and happily.
0: Vinny, just I was thinking (laughs) I was thinking 730 Pacific time. Am I wrong? Yes, we are talking now. Uh, well,
1: uh, uh, four thirty Pacific, seven thirty Eastern. Are,
0: are you? Are, are you? Uh, how much longer are you available? He said he could be ready in five minutes. Uh, I guess we, oh, could, yeah. we could do uh, what you're available for till what eight, a little past eight or eight thirty. Or uh, what time is it for you right now? It's eight o'clock now.
1: Okay, uh, I can eight do o'clock. another
0: half hour. No, okay, yeah. So <laughs> I fucked up the time zones common mistake we we all do it yeah okay i'll just tell them nope no problem Uh, i've been uh, doing this for a decade i still do it
1: yeah yeah same here
0: (laughs) join in when you're ready
1: you know what messes me up you guys change your clocks and we don't so that is another thing to mess me up
0: oh that's right yeah yeah it's because uh yeah it's it's funny how many guests i've i've had to clarify like over and over because i'm always worried that the guest is gonna think something out like a uh, pacific time or eastern time and i'm not so i'm always like yeah this time eastern yeah, time yeah, and i'll put in like yeah, big letters yeah. and uh yeah, and they're like oh yeah. shit i thought it was you know and i'm like i clarified but uh yeah,
1: yeah but it, it's and i used to and when i was emailing people i used to use est or whatever eastern I, yeah. standard time Order. but no but there's eastern daylight time and i don't know what it is right now and what's it going to be six months from now so i just say eastern or pacific or whatever well I still use the EST. But uh,
0: but wait—is there an Eastern Day? Oh, because some
1: daylight uh, savings versus standard, whatever. Yeah. So what is it right now? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's eight ten here. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we yeah, huh. that's that's interesting. But that's probably a, if it hasn't fucked me up, it's gonna fuck me up in in a, at, We at should just point. use
1: Greenwich Mean Time or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Use I mean, one universal time. We should because at the end of the day, does it matter? Like, if does everybody have to go to work at seven? Like, what does it? What well, who cares if it's like whatever time yeah, it is there it's
1: it's 12 for me yeah or whatever okay yeah. so yeah no 12 but, but but hey that's globalism
0: <laughs> yeah that's uh that's, yeah i hear it that can you know that's one of those things where you can make the argument that it's like oh no we should all have our own thing and i mean and this goes you know th- this goes back to you know when you, you look at uh anarcho-libertarians and, and 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 stuff like that how it it uh you know and you you being somebody who subscribes to uh much of that philosophy because and when this goes to us being tribal and, and whatnot it seems like a, at the end of the day we're always going to end up creating tribes and in that tribe do you feel like we're just eventually always going to end up choosing some alpha to be the the leader and we're always going to have some type of i guess government wouldn't be the word but some type of order in that sense where and and, yeah. and the other thing too is like we always have this idea that People don't want to follow, but people do want to follow. There's a lot of people who are completely OK with like, hey, I know I'm not capable of doing this shit. You know, uh, I'll tr- I trust that guy. I'm going to follow him yeah. and I'll let him be the leader. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, absolutely. Humans are tribal and, the, you know, there will be some sort of structure and authority structure. But the question is whether that is voluntary. And that's the only thing I care about. I don't care if, you know, people decide to live in a commune or if they want to live in a capitalist society or whatever it is, great. But as long as that's a voluntary choice that people can make rather than some, you know, alpha or whatever coming along and saying I own this entire geographical region and everyone will do what I say or having a democracy where 51% of the people get to decide what the other 49% do whether they like it or not and well, presumably they don't because they didn't vote for it. So you know that's that's and i think uh, i think that the voluntarist philosophy is a reflection of that is a recognition of the fact that yes of course people are tribal they will create communities but that's the point they should create the communities and be intentional with their community rather than you're born in this geographical location so this is a system you know suck it up or you know move to somalia <laughs> or whatever people say
0: yeah 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 it's a it's it's a interesting interesting way of looking at it, because I mean, would people just have small tribes everywhere and people would just i mean an ideal society and people would just have the right to leave whenever they want? i mean how how
1: how how do you think that would work? Well, actually, are we bound by geographical location as much as we were in previous human history? or is it possible to think of communities that are not geographically contiguous now that we have the ability to telecommute and all of that I mean can you form an, a community of sorts between people who are not in the same geographical location that's an interesting I mean that's a well, thing that we never had to think about before in human history but it is starting we're starting to see the beginnings of what that could potentially mean <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean I don't have any answers here I don't know what that world like that would look like but I'm just saying that we are starting to think that there might be a way to to think about that
0: yeah, that's, that's, a, that's true. I mean, because I mean, we, we think tribes and communities would always have to be physically, you know, together and, and whatnot. But now, I mean, people start Facebook groups and people start, uh, you know, uh, websites where it's, you know, Reddit groups and, and whatnot and, and people talk. Yeah. And, and, and how, yeah, think
1: about that in your own life. I mean, how you or your friends, how many people have communities that they feel more a part of that they've maybe never even met? Than the people that they actually meet on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I think, for me, I mean, almost, I mean, ninety percent of the people I interact with uh, aren't physically here in Japan. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and it's true. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why podcasts like your, yours has become so popular because Vinny. Hi. Because Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so sorry, guys. I had my time zone screwed up, and it's I was right. out getting uh, a Roach motel, So. Oh. <laughs>
0: No problem. No problem. So yeah, we were uh, we were talking about community and uh, well, we started talking about music and, and stuff like that. But uh, we, we we initially t- started talking about James and getting some guitar lessons. And uh, I didn't know that he was right. was a guitarist. That he you know that I thought this was a new instrument he just picked up and and um, and whatnot. But it was. Uh, it's not. He he's
1: actually been a veteran who just wanted to learn some new tricks. Well, <laughs> a veteran. Hmm. Well, Vinny's going to unteach me all my bad habits. So. Right,
2: right. Thank you. I have to deprogram you, yeah. you know. yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I have to do most musicians anyway, so no worries on that count. You're not special, James. <laughs> <laughs> never never thought that I was. <laughs> yeah. Certainly
1: not when it comes to guitar.
2: So Yeah, uh, Ricky. I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go uh, ahead, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Vinny. I uh, no, I was surprised too I didn't know James played guitar I thought he just liked the Beatles and then one day I had posted a video and he says oh what what was your comment something like the guitar teacher I always wanted or something like that so I wrote to him I said hey you know we could do the Skype thing and and the rest is history so
0: yeah yeah that's that's well actually didn't James also ask you to analyze one of the Beatles songs did you ever end up uh, giving him that explanation
1: Mm-hmm. As a matter yeah. of fact, yes, uh, people uh, who haven't seen it yet, uh, in my newsletter from November 18th, uh, When Robots Rule the Markets, that uh, that <laughs> conversation is there. It's a subscriber-only video um, that people can watch. It's a 40-minute conversation on yeah. <laughs> You Won't See Me by The Beatles, which is a yeah. three-minute song. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's one hell of a conversation, I think. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: yeah, it, that's that's always interesting. So when you dissect a song, do you, I mean, are you really looking at it from a musicians' perspective of of just uh, musically or lyrically also?
2: I see, I was brought up on the Beatles, and the Beatles in in the beginning were more concerned about the the architecture of their songs, and they thought the lyrics were almost secondary to their music. They'd like to do plays on words and things like that. But it wasn't until, They got hip to Bob Dylan that they realized, hey, lyrics can mean something, and they can be profound and poetic. So uh, I'm in the habit of not listening to lyrics. I've been like this all my life, (laughs) which is funny because the music is the vehicle for the lyrics. Uh, The lyrics should be the most important thing in a popular song, but... uh (laughs)
0: <laughs> well maybe i can i can i can see the other Universal. side of the, the controversial statement <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, I was we just talking about
2: this I there think. we go all right
0: yeah because, because i think it's actually it's it's interesting you say that because i always felt like you see it i mean you kind of see it now with with kind of Melodies that are catchy and 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 music that's catchy and people just completely ignore the lyrics and then when you read the lyrics you're like wow those are really awful lyrics but it's catchy <laughs> and you don't and you don't pick up on it because you're just kind of humming to the uh, to the theme I I get that too but I also understand the the fact that uh, the music should. Should really, I, I guess it shouldn't be just a background, but it really should set the mood and and the lyrics. Because mm-hmm. you, you, some musicians and I've had a lot of musicians on the show. Some musicians they'll write lyrics, then write the music to it. But other people write the music and then write the lyrics to the music. You know, mm-hmm. so they yeah. the, the feeling yeah. of the of the song is it already exists, and then you write to that. You know, but I can yeah. kind of see. I can see both sides because, you know, when I used to write, it, it was, I used to write the lyrics alone and not like, I didn't write any music to it yet because I wanted the, the words themselves to be as, th- this was kind of my thinking was the same way that spoken word can be powerful with no, with no uh, music. To me, it's like the lyrics should be that powerful that, that the lyrics alone should be able to move you. Now you add mm-hmm. music to it and it would take it to another level. And sure. that was always kind yeah. of my, like my thinking.
2: Mm-hmm. Does that work? Yeah, sure it does. I mean, you know, I, I, when you approach composition, you could take it from so many. Um, if you ever it get a can chance. Work. It can work. But
1: most musicians don't do that, do they?
2: Really? Write the w- words first? No. Uh, uh, rarely. I've gotten hired yeah. by really bad poets to write music, <laughs> write, write songs, you know, for their music. It's right. doesn't work out because there's a certain structure to pop lyrics. Yeah.
1: That's the thing. I, with the Beatles, I, the only one that I know of that, that Paul wrote bef- the words before the music was... Uh, um, oh, I'm going to forget now. Um,
2: wow. Oh, you got to remember. Maybe From
1: Me To You. Something like... One of those early ones. Oh, really? And yeah. It was, it was uh, like it, he wrote a poem kind of thing and he's, he put it mm-hmm. to music. But mostly it's music before words. And uh, let me give my perspective on this because I come from the completely other perspective. I've never fundamentally been a musician. Yeah, I noodled around with guitar, but I've always been... A writer at heart. I always wanted to be a writer and I've always loved language and my imagination is primarily linguistic in nature. Mm -hmm. So I have always approached pop's music from the lyric side. I've always been more interested in the lyrics and I've always, the music side of it has always been kind of the mystery to me. Like I don't, I can't comprehend, I can't get my head around that. Um, But I know there's something to it, right? I mean, there's some There's some interplay there that makes it more than just words.
2: It's synergistic. Ultimately it's synergistic. And it doesn't matter which side of the continuum you you start from. It really doesn't. Like you said, Ricky, you could have you could write a like a very poignant chord progression. It's gonna make you feel something, and then you you think to yourself, well, I could write music that uh write lyrics that, you know, correspond with my feeling these feelings. But it's also possible, you know, one thing I one of my exercises pop songwriting, back when I was going to commuter uh, college um, in music school, I uh, I would turn off the radio. Well, first, if I heard like, uh, you know, a radio host uh, do a cool turn of a phrase or something like this, the way I'd start writing a song is I'd start with a title. That's the way I'd begin. Oh, that's a cool title. And the Beatles did that a bunch of times. days night. You know. Yeah, sure, sure. Eight days a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'd start with a title and then I'd, I'd kind of roll around some melodies for it. And I think, OK, this is a good title. It's it's got some meat to it. And the title itself could give you a lot of ideas for lyrics and, and such. That's, I've written
1: stories that way. Short stories. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, that's they, a good title. I wonder what that would play out. <laughs> like. um, yeah. While we're talking about wordplay. And the Beatles. I have to bring this up because I was listening to Fabcast recently, which is a podcast that ah, Vinny turned me on to. Yeah, those guys are great. I love we, those guys. Yeah, I love them too. But they, it sometimes it sounds almost insane
2: the way they talk about oh these my. guys as if they are gods. Oh yeah, they go <laughs> the way the too planet. over the top. You know, a lot of Beatles fanatics are such purists that if you say anything wrong yeah, about them, right. they'll jump on you. But They were talking talking about the wordplay
1: and they pointed out in Ask Me Why, which sounds like a pretty basic, straightforward love song, right? I love you because you tell me the things I want to know, and it's true that it really only goes to show that I know that I should never, never be blue. Now you're mine. My happiness still makes me cry and in time you'll understand the reason why. If I cry it's not because I'm sad, but you're the only love that I've ever had. I can't believe it's happened to me. I can't conceive of any more misery. And they pointed out Actually, so it sounds, you know, sappy love song. Oh, you know, I can't believe it's happened to me. I can't conceive of any more misery. Think of that line. I can't conceive it. I can't conceive of any more misery. I'm happy all the time. I can't conceive of any more misery. I am in such misery. (laughs) I can't conceive of anything more. It's kind of, they're saying, it's it's kind of John saying, I am trapped, I now have this wife and this little child, I don't want to be here, I can't conceive of any more misery. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I think there's something to that, at least subconsciously. Well,
2: yeah. the 60s, the 60s guys, they, um, they, you know, there was, back in those days, before there was a blend of folk, Motown and and British rock, they were separate categories and the folk people felt as if they were saying saying it outright. They weren't there for the money or the fame. They wanted to tell the political truth, kind of like a modern-day conspiracy theorist, you know? And they felt that they were kind of the intelligentsia of the music scene, despite the fact they they really didn't know music theory very well, but whatever. Um, and uh, so the, the thing is, they had the rock guys had a very they had a hint at things without coming out and saying it. And the Beatles music is rife with that kind of thing. But a lot of other bands were doing that too, you know, burying double entendres in their songs, you know. Um, Yeah, actually, if you ever get a chance to find it, there's an old um, 60s folk song called, uh, by Peter, Paul and Mary, called I Dig Rock and Roll Music. And if you listen to the lyrics of that, it's all about that. It's all about how the rock guys kind of sold out uh, they can't tell the truth. But, hey, it makes me want to dance, and I do kind of like it, you know? Right. So, so this is sort why of, Dylan was basically
1: crucified for turning on the folk people. Oh, like yeah. right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And, you know, there was the Isle of Wight where Joni Mitchell, she really held her own. I mean, uh, basically, the, the by this time, the hippies were getting more and more aggressive, and they were like, anti anti-establishment completely. So if you were famous and you made some money, they fucking hated you for it you know so they booed Joni Mitchell and she she there's a great moment uh, you could find it on YouTube somewhere where she talks to the audience and says, look you know you could show we work really hard at what we do and you could show us a little respect and she really held it down you know that, that
1: was, yeah, that's a weird self-destructive energy that happens in mm-hmm. some of these things. You know that's interesting. i never really thought about it, but to a certain extent, even in the independent media or whatever, it's like, oh, you're you're too popular now. You know, oh, how did you get that? Po- you must be part of the establishment. There is that mentality that exists, mm-hmm. and it pops up time to time. Uh, growing up in the early 90s, the uh, you know Gen X grunge alternative scene was when very Green much part about- Yeah, Remember it was all Green about Day integrity out? versus yeah. sellout and everything. Which is, yeah. and so me being a Smashing Pumpkins fan, they were hated by the you know the the hip hipster alternative people at the time because they were the golden boys that got their record contract after their fourth gig or whatever and they didn't earn it they were sellouts or whatever and Billy Corgan clearly wanted success and courted success so people hated him for that and he always pointed out no integrity is a game that you guys are playing it is not it's not the way you think it is and you know, I think in the long run he's been proven correct when mm-hmm. some of these bands that back in the '90s they were the you know pavement and everything. Oh, they were the the hipster of the hip, mm-hmm. and now they're doing these you know sellout reunion tour kind of things. Whereas someone like Billy Corgan continues to make new, try to make new music, um, whether Ooh, or not successful at it. At any rate, he's still plowing ahead with something new, and I think that that it's such an important point. Integrity is a game, and when it becomes this. Oh, you're a sellout kind of culture. It is self-destructive. And mm-hmm. think about the—I mean, think about that in the alternative '90s, you know, music scene. Literally self-destructive. Kurt Cobain blowing his—well, at any rate, maybe yeah. it was Courtney, but at any rate, <laughs> getting his brains blown out is—whether uh, or not that was suicide, the idea of it being suicide is—is is kind of the idea of that. It's a self-destructive tendency that some of these movements have. Well, it's
0: funny how. Musicians who don't want to be famous. And I guess this goes along with a lot of people. I mean, you're so obsessed with your work that fame isn't really something you're thinking about. But then you're so obsessed with your work that you're so good at it and you're so different because you're not doing what everybody else is doing that you end up getting the thing that you weren't really trying to get in the first place, and that's fame. And uh, Bill, I don't know if you saw the the last um, interview uh, with Billy Corgan on, uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast, but he really got into that, uh, you know, just... His ish, you know, just all the internal battles with dealing with the way the fans treated him and whatnot. And it was, I mean, he's a really interesting guy to hear talk. I mean, he was also on this other podcast, the Swim podcast, um, with this other, uh, British musician. And he just, he really is just really interesting because the way he self reflects and the way he, he analyzes, um, pretty honestly, you know, with his actions and and, and his life. And I mean, it just, it's really, really interesting to listen to because not too many people that famous are that honest. And, um, yeah uh, I also or self-reflective th- at least yeah self-reflective yeah. and and mm-hmm. I, I think the thing too about musicians is that and I don't know with, with you guys if you've ever had this experience but there's when when a band is up and coming and they're they're not quite as popular yet and you could probably make the same argument with with alternative media when when there's a documentary or a website that you go to that you're you're suggesting to your friends and and it's like it's your band it's your website like uh, decor reports, yeah i'm the guy who suggested that to you that's my website like you know uh like so it's like you have this intimate thing with that band that intimate thing with that 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 work and then once it's popular and it's like well now everybody likes them like now it's not like this intimate relationship anymore you almost feel like you've been betrayed or or they're cheating on you or or whatnot and because of it i think we end up turning on that musician you know and and Mm -hmm. being a musician i mean you know a lot of musicians say you spend a lifetime writing your first album then you have like a year to write your second album you know and and then they wonder why the second album isn't as good as the first album you know it's 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 a really hard thing to do and you never know what's going on behind the scenes with with pressure from the record label we need something poppier we need something this we need something that or you have this time frame um so it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's really easy from the fans' perspective to just criticize and, and whatnot. But you, there's also some artistic boredom because sometimes musicians try to do something outside the box. They have an experimental album, and then everybody turns on them. And it's like, well, yeah, if you gave them more of the same,
1: you'd probably be like, okay, this sounds like the last album. But yeah. if they do something... it's exactly right. Yeah. Know. In the long run, what is good for you is not the same as the short run. So in the long run, it's going to be good for you to continue to explore new areas. The thing that made you want to do it in the first place, the newness, the freshness, the going for new things, the thing that made you popular in the first place is exactly what the fans don't want as soon as they see, oh, you know, this guy does this really well. Now do this forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I can see for a real true pioneering artist how completely limiting and trapping that is. You know, you must be this way because this is the way we want you.
0: Yeah, and I think it's okay with just trying something and then just agreeing that maybe it didn't work, but at least you have to explore that. You know, I think you you shouldn't (laughs) give a band a hard time for – or artists, I should say – a hard time for exploring that. And I think just them – I mean, there's bands that I know that I'm like, I love their first album or the first two albums. Then they try something different, I'm like, "Ah, I kind of lost interest a little bit, you know, and I'm like – they were really good at this style or they're really, you know, but I'm like, but I don't hate them because I understand that it's like, well, it must be really boring to write a whole album exact, you know, exact same style as the last two albums. You know, I, I can see how that can be a uh, boring. I mean, with your work, James, I mean, you uh, it's different, I guess, because you don't just do podcasts, you do documentaries. I mean, so
1: you probably don't run into that too often, right, with boredom, because there's always so many topics. And- well, yeah, I mean, it's exactly whatever I want to make of it. And I, am, I hope people realize I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to just repeat myself and do the same thing. And, and I don't want to give people what they already know. I could I could be so much more popular than I am now if I just followed every conspiracy trend and told people what they wanted to hear. And just I I, there was a point um, when I did the 9-11 five minute video that became my most viral video and everything. When I did that, I recognized during that week as that started to go viral and hundreds of thousands and million people had seen it. It was just crazy. I'm like, I could make this a thing. I know I could do this, this five minute video, I could do one a week for the next whatever, seven or eight weeks or whatever. I could get my channel really exploding, really popping. And I, I'm sure I would have more subscribers now than I uh, than I do now if I had done that seven years ago or whenever it was. I consciously knew that. But I also at the time, I'm like, no, what makes this particular video so great is that this particular subject works so well with that particular way of putting it that just worked so well. It's lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I could do the same thing and people would click on it and it would get attention and I'd become known for it. I'd be the five-minute conspiracy guy or whatever. I could make that a thing, but I made the conscious decision not to do that because, no, I did that for a specific reason in a specific way and it worked and great and now let's do something different. Mm-hmm. So I know I could be much more popular than I am, but that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for, hopefully, something with more depth.
0: Well, you've done similar videos for, for other topics, like short five-minute videos. Have those been equally yep. successful?
1: Yep. No, 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 not anywhere near as successful. The if extras. i had done them one after another, like in a series, in, you know, once a week or whatever, it could have been, you know, mm-hmm. a thing. But I, I specifically decided not to. So, yeah, once in a while, when, when there's something that comes along that I think, oh, I could do that for this, I'll do it. So I've done it like three or four of those style over the last seven years or whatever. But no, I've never tried to make it a thing. And I don't want to be that guy. I'm the five-minute conspiracy guy or I'm the whatever guy. No, I want to be... I want to explore whatever I want to explore in the way that I think is best to explore it.
0: Well, it's funny because this all intertwines. Like some of the things that me and James were talking about before Vinny joined us with uh, this false sense of freedom. We think we have freedom, but we're we're just these machines kind of running still you know, in place on a wheel. And I think that's why art makes people so happy because when you're doing it you really do have the freedom to explore and use imagination and do what you want and uh, i think that's what a lot of people lack in life and i think it causes a lot of just boredom it causes a lot of uh lack of self reflection cuz it's amazing how something as simple and i'm uh, you know i'm sure um vinny can expand on this but i i so many people w- agree with me that other musicians that i know the the therapeutical uh experience of just playing an instrument you know and it's like what is that what what do you what like what is it that like doing something that's creative like that you it feels like you're you've sat down with a with a therapist and you've just kind of let out everything you know and it's like you didn't verbally actually let anything out but there's something that you're tapping into it and, and and this goes back to the power of lyrics or the power of music you know which one can move you or you know more or which one should it uh, should music be uh, i guess focused around and you know music alone i mean you can you can speak with the guitar you know uh, as my guitar gently weeps you know it's 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 uh, the idea that you can you might not be good verbally at you know and and language can can be very restrictive and then some people aren't very good at it some people uh can lack uh the ability to find the, the right words to describe what they're saying but you pick up an instrument if you're a musician you feel like you can do it with the with the instrument right mm-hmm. yeah so did did you have the same type of uh experiences like playing guitar did you always feel like that was your therapy like if i didn't have this i'd go fucking crazy or i wouldn't be able to deal with certain life experiences I can give
2: you like a readily immediate example of that. Um, my band, The Elegant Strangers, comprised of really incredibly great musicians and, and we would do all cover songs, you know, but on the fly we would change things up, maybe the rhythm, maybe throw a lick in there. And it is so much fun to do this. Well, we lost the gig uh, according to the management. We're right we're right we were playing right here on the boardwalk, so it's the beach, you know. And they're saying, well, with the winter coming, we're not going to get enough clientele, and it's sports night and all this, so maybe you guys should take a break till the spring. So we stopped about three weeks ago, and for the first time in a long time, I got really depressed a few days ago. So, yeah, that band is was therapy for me, and I need to play. It's not like a drug addiction. It's more like the need to uh, to be loved by by a woman or something like this, you know, just that... It's a very basic, instinctual need. I've, I've completely, and another thing is this, the Zen of music. If you examine your mind through the course of a day, you'll notice it's constantly talking to you and you're talking back to it, right? And these conversations are going on and if the negative thoughts creep in, they creep in not just once, but they'll repeat themselves over and over and over again, right? Well, when I'm playing, this is my opportunity to get into a Zen state of no Mind and that is so much freedom. That is so much freedom. It's almost like you know, uh, the enlightened person can be sent to a FEMA camp for the rest of his life, and he'll be perfectly happy there because he knows he's free. You know, freedom isn't an external thing; it's an internal state. That's such an
1: important point. Let's underline that. Freedom is a conscious state of being. Mm -hmm. It is, and yeah, and we have to maintain that that's any the, way yeah. we can through music or otherwise
2: yeah
0: yeah it's it, so uh, i it, 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 i think in many cases people lack some place to feel free right some
1: maybe that's what mm. th- that's what yeah. playing that guitar or playing the keyboard or or yeah. pa- painting and it's going to be different for everyone but that can be one of the outlets that people find some sort of state of Mm-hmm. happiness is i don't know if happiness is the right word but you're right it's, a, it's
2: almost beyond happiness it's yeah. not because you can't when you get it when i get into that state there's no label for it there it, it can't be yeah. because it's just like this spacious emptiness you know just a wonderful place to be i wish i could be there all the time you know if that's my hope one well, day well my
0: experience was it with uh when we used to play gigs like our music was always very personal and very moody and um I always told myself when I when when we wrote music that I I'd never I, I wouldn't and one in the beginning I would get scared about like okay do I want to talk about something so personal that one day people are going to read this and then I'm kind of exposing my most personal intimate thoughts um with the public and or, or whoever's listening and it that alone kind of scared me a little bit but then I'm like well if I put restrictions on it then I'm going to probably not write the best lyrics or write the best music so I'm just like you know what, write it like nobody's gonna listen to it, and it's just for me. And so, and then when we would play these gigs, or any time we'd play, even if we just played re- rehearsing, I always felt like I just opened myself up, and all these internal things that were kind of bothering me, and and it was um, it was therapy. I mean, the same way therapy works because it gets you to talk about it. It was. My way of talking about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and because I talked about it, I I remember after gigs and I don't know if you have this experience, but like, I felt like after playing, nothing could get me mad. Like I was so in Zen. I was so like, I got everything off my chest. I was Mm -hmm. mentally in such a good place that I'm just like, ah. Like, I'm in a good place right now. And and I think a lot of it was getting out that frustration or depression or, or whatever um, life experience that I was trying to release through the music and uh, anything traumatic that you're trying to kind of get out. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, and I think in, in many cases with musicians and some musicians aren't very good verbally, it's almost like you, you can't verbally get this stuff out. So music or that instrument is, is your tool to do so. So you use that tool to kind of get it out. You know, like you're listening to how somebody feels. And so it, it's a it's interesting. It's very, and I think that's why art is so important. When you look at, um, you know, schools that cut art out and and, and music, and, and I'm just like, really, that's the first thing that goes like, the, the things that they're getting out of this, you, you can't quantify. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it seems like it's pointless and we should focus on this or focus on that. But those lessons and that, that um, figuring out yourself or, or, or self-reflecting or therapy, whatever uh, uh, you use it for, that art, uh, it, it's it's going to help you in the long run, in much you know, in a way that you can't really describe, and you know, and it changes people's lives. And I think philosophy is the same thing. I mean, you hear people talk about all the time, like, "What's the point of getting a degree with uh, in philosophy? What the hell are you going to do after you get a degree with philosophy?" You know, it, it's, but it's like those lessons you learn and that those questions you ask. Uh, mm-hmm. are, are so important because th- those are the life lessons that are going to mold you to become the person that you know one day are and, and, and help you figure things out a little bit better. obviously, we never fig- figure things out, but you you f- you think everything that you do figure out is like I always say like life 's a giant puzzle of like a, one of those huge puzzles with a million pieces, and everything that you figure out is one more puzzle to that or one more piece of that puzzle and at the end of your journey, you might not have the whole picture. But you have some pieces, and the picture becomes a little clearer. And and the goal is always, or our goal should always be to gather as many puzzle pieces as possible and try to figure out that that picture as, as much as possible. And um and some people like uh, James's and my uh, my wife don't really care about that puzzle. <laughs> you know, they're okay with you know we just kind of uh, going uh, going along. But um to me it's 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 important. Like it's it's like constantly, you know, me and James were talking about you know. Not just sharing ideas, but how important it is to challenge ideas and challenge your own ideas and uh and trying to figure it out and music seems like it's a there's something about you meet somebody who's a musician or very in or into music that that is um well thought out what i would call like good music uh it seems like they're much they much better uh they have a, a I, there's something about them that you seem like they're they're much more interesting they have much better thought out ideas than maybe somebody who listens to pop music, you know, or somebody who listens to, you know, it's like, Oh, what, what it, it's almost like you could look at somebody's record uh, collection and you can kind of figure out who, what type of person they are a little bit. You know, like, like I'd rather hang out with that person. I'm going to have a much more interesting conversation with that person than the person who has, you know, maybe Shakira and, uh, and, and Britney Spears in there. You know, I might want to go dance with the girl who's listening to Sh- Shakira, but I want to sit down and talk to the guy who has, you know, all this in his uh, record uh, collection so it, it is it is funny it's similar to like a, a, I guess a, um, a book collection you know you can kind of look at somebody's book collection and kind of figure out like okay this is the things that intrigue them this is kind of uh you know but then i, I do hear stories about people who buy books and never read but they put
1: them <laughs> there, they put them there because it, they, they look smart Yeah, they're, they're all cutouts behind <laughs> me they're not real books <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, well you yeah. know ricky i uh one thing you brought up um about the puzzle I I lately the way I've been feeling um, is I am so different from the general run of humanity. Like lately, I feel like a complete alien at this point. Honest to God, I do. And the reason I bring this up is because when you mentioned the puzzle thing, I went immediately back to a high school party. It must have been I don't know, it's 16, 17 years old, and it was one of those. Oh, it was a graduation party. Yeah. So uh, it was a wild debauchery, you know, getting drunk and smoking weed and all this stuff, you know, and I have always been the philosophical type. And I don't mean just like reading philosophical stuff. I mean, I'm experiencing life. Even back then, I was experiencing life philosophically. So at this party, this is how weird I am. And I thought I was normal at the time. At this party, I was, you know, walking up to folks and just like, conversationally bringing up did you ever stop and think that you're here in this physical body and how the hell did you get here did you ever think about that and the the answer i got from people across the board was Vinny, this is a party this is no time to think about this you know? <laughs> but it's, it's always on my mind it's it's kind of like the core issue of my entire existence is what the fuck am i here for what is this thing called life and why is it happening you know
0: those are such so, important questions. I, I I've, It's funny because I've constantly asked myself those questions. It's funny. I have friends who listen to this podcast and they're like, every time I listen to your podcast, I'm motivated to... Quit my job and go live in a cabin, and
1: I'm like, you're, you're, all you do is and write a manifesto. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we we're talking about the Unabomber before uh, before you join us. There's a, a good. Uh, I think I suggested it to you. I remember you're looking for uh, Netflix suggestions, and I and I uh, suggested the uh, Manhunt. It's uh, the, the series on the Unabomber, and we're talking about how even though obviously he, he did some really messed up things his manifesto and his his opinions on how mm-hmm. uh, technology we have this idea that technology uh gives us this freedom but in in many ways it's actually restricting us and you know he, he he used the example of how you know you think this car gives you this freedom but yet you're you're stuck at these you know between these lines and when there's this red light even if there's no cars around you have to be st- you know still at this red light for no reason even though you know it's safe to go ahead you're, you're there so it's like you're being servant you know even though you're you think that you have this freedom and um you know it's similar to youtube i mean let's we're all you know all our shows are on youtube all we all put videos on youtube uh james has had his uh his current issues with youtube and you know and now you have the net neutrality uh you know topic that's uh Getting popular again. I mean, we we think the internet is this thing that gives us all this freedom to do what we want. But even within the internet, we have all these restrictions. That's like, well, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but we're going to decide where
2: those, how far we can you can push that, and where they. Well, go. remember though, when at the birth of the internet, it was like that. You could do whatever you wanted, and then the corporations moved in and the government moved in and said, we're going to tell you what you can and cannot experience yeah. on the net. Newsflash we still could it's just that
1: yeah why do you want to go and blaze some new trail when there's already a YouTube there's a Google there's a Facebook there's a Twitter just use those tools Mm -hmm, they're there mm -hmm. they're easy the easy way take the easy way guys why do you want to blaze a new trail come on well, well, that's the mm-hmm. thing.
0: That, that's the thing. It, it's only a matter of time. I mean, even something with the internet that it gives you so many options. It just like I think everybody starts on a level playing field, but as one company or corporation gets uh, a little bit more power and has a little bit more influence, and and uh, you know, eventually now everybody uses YouTube. And you're like, we have the internet where everybody. I mean, there could be a thousand different YouTubes. There could be a thousand uh, search engines, but everybody uses Google. Everybody uses YouTube. Well,
2: you know what? I you know part of it is. Is this I mean it's strange how Google became this frickin kingdom you know over time I remember when Google was born I it. I was all excited about it but but uh, um, you have to become suspicious because how much money went into Google what I'm bringing up here is that recently on my de- desktop computer I've been running like Windows XP right and I, it's an old uh, version of Windows but it has a solid core and I always thought it was the most stable Windows so I kept it but then I started to become more and more concerned so I downloaded uh, lin- uh, Linux uh, Ubuntu Studio and I'm using that now I have to tell you something everybody that's into Linux thinks it's God's gift to the world Linux sucks It, it it's like it's buggy You know you there are very little options in the programs they give you you know like there's some game I play on Linux and you can't get an undo feature on it like it's just very primitive so when you think about it it's the money that goes into these into the Twitters and the Googles and the Facebooks that they can hire the best of the best to put this stuff together you know I really wish Linux would compete at that level but they simply aren't you know but, yeah. Well, uh, the thing—the thing that a lot
1: of computer engineers and things—they—they uh, they may have great ideas and it may be functionally better or better technology, but they don't put as much effort into the user interface. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of—I think—the slick corporations come along and they pump the money into that. And they know. I mean, what was what is Apple? It's a mm-hmm. company that knows how to make sexy objects mm-hmm. that you right, just right, right. want to. Oh, I want that fondle slab. I want to mm-hmm. touch it they're great at design and you know, that's yeah, yeah, 99% that's of the way to the goal when mm-hmm. it comes to consumer perspective.
0: Al- anyway. Apple is pop music. It's uh we're, we're constantly looking for, th- I mean, I wonder how much of that is just in our DNA, like the path of less resistance. I always wondered if people liked shitty mm-hmm. music because it was simpler to digest. It was just less thinking. It was less having to analyze to understand. It was just, it was very blunt that, okay this is a love song this is uh whatever and i wonder if if it's like that with everything you know we, like you said even with apple like they understand that it's like let's make it so simple that so easy that anybody can pick it up and use it and even if this other you know competitor is better Sometimes more options is worse because it's like, oh, now this is too complicated. I got to learn too much. I got, you know, it can be a turnoff. And and the same reason why we created the wheel or we created fire because we're constantly trying to find easier ways to do things. The reason why we created a, you know, a, a car so we can get the A to B quicker. Like we're constantly finding easier ways to do things. And I wonder if if some it, it takes a special person to say, no, I'm I, I see the genius in this. And I appreciate the genius in this. And I don't care if it's if it takes more time to to understand it after I do understand it. it, It's better. And then I'm going to get more out of it. You know, does that make any sense to anybody?
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally does. You uh, actually, Ricky, when you talk, you bring up so many great points. And I I, like try to bookmark things to come back to the points. Uh, You know, I'm trying to remember what I wanted to comment on and what you just said. Um, but I can't remember. So. <laughs> well, I, I have
1: a perhaps relevant comment about taking the easy way and pop music and all of that. Well, uh, Vinny, why fight against it? Why not use uh, one four six five or whatever? What what's that progression that's your bugaboo?
2: Yeah, one one five six four. <laughs> one five six four. Thanks and for bringing that up. Yeah, <laughs> just use it, Vinny. Just do it. You know, it's easy. It works. Well, I think I once mentioned that uh, the Beatles took the '60s progression one six four five, and they managed to make it not sound like boring old '50s music. I suppose you know, if I took on the challenge of saying, okay, well, I'm going to write a one five six four and make it sound like no other has made it, but I tell you the truth, that chord progression—it just. I, I, my hair stands up and I just get all out when I hear it's it
0: so was it Beethoven who was it Mozart or Beethoven when they used to hear an autotune uh, piano they used to vomit it was one <laughs> that's that's you you're gonna hear that chord and you're gonna
2: that chord pro- progression you're gonna vomit and you're it, not it,
1: again it, no
2: it, I know a, of one one musician that's that extreme that would be Eric Johnson down in Austin Texas the uh Flash guitar player He's an amazing guitar player But I live down there I got to talk to the people Who worked with him And he He has like Some advanced form Of tinnitus That if he can't get The exact Exact tone he needs From his guitar He just gives up He's broken down And cried in studios But Check this out I mean You know The cable that connects To your amp He claims he could Hear, hear the difference If you plug This end into the amp And this end into the guitar If you were to verse it He can hear the difference I had a, a luthier who built one of my custom guitars uh, down in Austin. And he was Eric Johnson's luthier, and he had this block of wood. Did I tell you about this? He had this block of wood with a bunch of little screws labeled 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And I said, Ed, what's that? And he goes, that's from the, um, from the pick guard of Eric Johnson's Stratocaster. He He wanted me to make sure I get all the screws in. You in know, the right order. In the right order. Oh my God. Wow. This is insanity. This is pure insanity, you know.
1: Well, you look at
0: Tesla. I mean, a lot of people thought Nikolai Tesla was crazy, you know, because, I mean, you're so obsessed with your work. You're so. Uh, I mean, it's what makes people great. I almost feel like the greatest minds, they almost have to be a little. So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's the same way with your sure. Yeah, I mean uh, what attracted James to your, to your YouTube channel? I mean you you know you talk about always feeling like you're different or you're this alien with you know everybody's kind of like this this replica of themselves and you're this one different uh you know species kind of roaming around but that's probably why you can analyze things the way you do and see things the way you do because if not then you know the rest of us are all going all going to see things the same way, aren't we?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of a big picture guy. Like, when I think of myself as a physical body, I think of myself on this rock circling the sun in an infinite universe. That's the way I look at myself. Like, like that's where I get the yeah. poor question. Why am I doing that? Why am I here? You know. Well, that's... Considered- I, but, by the way, I don't want to sound arrogant. I mean, when you reflect that back to me, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, well, that sounds arrogant that I I feel different than everybody else. I don't feel... More special than anybody else. I, if anything, I feel like I don't belong, and it's kind of a lonely existence that way. You know, I can't relate to many people. It's very difficult. I guarantee you're not the only person. Yeah, has that feeling.
1: The, yeah, I'm, that's the weird part. There's a community of people who. Well, that's know, what All the lonely is. people.
2: Where Venice is a community. That where I live is a community of misfits, and that's our solidarity: is that we're all fucking crazy, and you know, living our eccentric lives. So it sounds like you need to get the Elegant Strangers back together. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, how's how's uh, are you is kratom still still helping out? How what about all this uh, FDA uh, kratom talk? Huh? This shit's scaring the crap out of me. I, I feel like kratom in the and uh, James, I don't know if you're familiar with kratom at all, but it's a uh, you know Vinnie's a, a user of it, and I've uh, recently started uh, uh, dibble dabbling in it, and because um, I have some close friends that use it, and and uh, I had a filmmaker on to talk about it and um and i feel like kratom is gonna be marijuana you know it's gonna go down the same path where people pretend or they they say we don't know enough about it so we're let's make it illegal and put all these restrictions and then a hundred years from now we'll be like why the fuck was that stuff illegal why was you know it's it's the same thing with kratom where it's just like it's this natural herb that has all these incredible benefits i mean I haven't had issues with pain or, or depression and anxiety like some of the people who are using it but I've had people contact me who after the, the show I did and I think you listened to it Vinny with uh, Chris mm-hmm. Bell who's doing yeah. um, a leap of faith or uh, a leaf of faith um, uh, about uh, Kratom and how it, it, it changed his life and and um, and just all these people contact me about how you know the incredible effects that it has so it seems like a, a very magical plant similar to to marijuana how you know you could use hemp to build uh, car fenders for cars the strongest rope all this stuff like you know it helps you know medical you know medical issues hemp oil all that stuff and uh it seems like a plant that's equally as as magical as that and uh immediately it's getting you know talked about like oh you know it's there's some deaths have you heard about that like people are are, are connecting yes, so yeah i i i i mean it's it i i just have a hard time i mean th- this seems like there has to be more to this story it seems like Can I, yeah please
2: let, let me comment on this because you know i my first reaction being a conspiracy theorist my first reaction is oh it's big pharma You know, they are afraid of the competition. Here's an herb that could work better than all their pharmaceuticals and isn't dangerous. And it doesn't put you to sleep. It keeps you awake. You know, at first I thought, but just yesterday I was thinking, you know what? There are some things that aren't conspiracies. This could just be the stupidity of bureaucracy.
0: Maybe, but it also could be a conspiracy. I'll tell you, I mean, Big Pharma has such a, I mean, Big Pharma Sp- nobody spends more money on on marketing and advertising and and mm-hmm. I mean every other commercial watch CNN Fox News MSNBC every commercial is a big pharma commercial I mean they have such influence on what's going on and and such influence on I mean I I, I think I somewhere I read that like nobody spends more money on lobbyists than than pharmaceutical companies and um, that might be incorrect but if they're if they're not number one they're up there and so you think like you know Just the money that this stuff is finally starting because for a long time, even before I did my podcast, I wasn't that familiar with it. And now it's starting to pick up steam and it's people are starting to talk about it and more people are getting interested in it and and, and looking at at it as a possible uh, painkiller or or, uh, antidepressant or whatnot. And every person who doesn't go to their doctor and get a painkiller or some antidepressant and, and goes down this road to, to attempt to use this is one customer that they're missing out on. And a possible, you know, customer not just on antidepressant, True. but that antidepressant is causing other issues, which means now you need this pill for the, those symptoms <laughs> that the, that pill is giving you, and then that pill is going to give you some more symptoms, so here's this other pill. So it's not just the painkiller that they're missing out on, but all the other things the side effects that you're getting from it that they're gonna have another pill for and uh it's so it's it's hard for me to think that they're that they didn't see this coming that this kind of snuck up on them and they're just like oh now it's just a bunch of dumb politicians who don't understand it and and because they don't want you know natural reaction is if you're scared of the unknown you're you don't understand it so you're you want to put some restrictions on it uh I just don't think that it's it's that simple. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But I, I have such a distrust for, for farms. So, I mean, you look at just, uh, I mean, everything from Monsanto to, um, uh, you know, these oh, companies have such influence on, on on just everything. That is just, it, I just, I, I don't see it sneaking. And, and there's been a huge community before I even understood. I mean, I don't know how long you've been using Kratom. I'm, I'm sure I've asked you this before and you've told me. But um, I know you've been using it for quite a, a bit. But I'm very new to this world of kratom. But there's been a, it's been a there's been a community of people using this stuff forever. There's like this underground mm-hmm. following that's mm-hmm. kind of grown and grown and grown. And uh, so I, I wonder if if big pharma doesn't have their hand on you know some researchers or some people just analyzing some natural remedies that they have to you know some fires that they have to put out. You know the same way um, Monsanto would go to a, a farmer who. Uh, who didn't use any Monsanto seeds, but you know they uh they they were next to a, a, a farmer who used Monsanto seeds, and and some of that uh brush got blown into their yard, <laughs> you know, their farm, and now you know technically it's Monsanto seeds, so now they sue them, and it's like it sounds right. crazy to think that you would actually hire an, an investigator to go harass farmers, yeah, but it's like yeah, it's outrageous. It, so my my point is like there's things that, I mean, it seems like there's no path they won't, you know, no, nothing they won't yeah. do to, to try to maximize all profit. And if that means have to, I mean, the we all know the media is easily manipulated and easily influenced. It's not that hard to to get to, to you know New York Times or, or Washington Post or somebody to write a little story. Just plant that little seed of doubt, scare the shit out of the public, and all it doesn't have to be factual. It doesn't have to have a lot of truth to it, but just say, "Hey, this thing kratom could be the cause of these deaths." Now, somebody like myself who doesn't know anything about it, maybe have some pain and was thinking about buying some. Now you just scare the shit out of me from taking it. You know, so, so I mean, that's all you have to do. It just, you know, plant that little seed of doubt, scare the public a little bit, and then all of a sudden, that has a huge impact on quarterly gains, and that's all they care about, you know, because you're that's a a huge uh, a part of the population that is going to be. Because I've had people email me, people ask me, hey, have you heard about this story? Have, you know, what do you think about? it? I'm like, honestly, I can't say it's true or not true, but I I have a hard time believing that this many people have been using it. There hasn't been many cases or any cases that I know of any people directly a death directly caused by it. And all of a sudden, now right. that it's picking up steam, that there's, you know, it just seems no, there's something
2: to that. I mean, the news the news is starting to put out Kratom deaths all of a sudden because Kratom is becoming popular. It's hitting the mainstream now. But, uh, yeah, yeah, there's something to that, definitely. no question, guys, this I'm is- going to have to bow out of this conversation
1: because it's already half an hour over where i was hoping and uh i i really have to get going with my day but uh if you guys want to keep talking please do uh if i hang up it's not going to disconnect you
2: guys is it no i don't believe so no no all right uh, james are you still on for eight thirty? sure am okay I'll be there. Yeah. yeah all right cool cool all right i got a guitar oh. lesson
1: to get to <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I, awesome. I better practice my pentatonic <laughs> all right well thank Okay, guys thank you right. for the
2: conversation See you later, James.
0: James. Hey, take care, James. Thanks again.
2: So what do you think, Ricky?
0: about what about uh, uh
2: shall we uh, continue on for a little more
0: yeah yeah we might might as well talk a, a little longer I got a, a, probably another 10 15 minutes but yeah this, oh, 10, all right yeah this uh, I need a dinner
2: break soon anyway yeah yeah but let's 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 at least you know talk a little more about the kratom situation because it's an issue that's close to my heart you know
0: yeah well that's why I brought it up because uh everybody who I mean it's the people who who have used it and this is how I know it works because the people who have used it are so passionate about the issue and so passionate about it that you're like, there's no way that this, that, that, you could tell this thing has completely changed their lives and, 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 helped their, their, just their ability to be happy, their ability to, to live and, and their wellness. And, uh, to, it, it just breaks my heart to, to think that the government, who doesn't know anything about it, would, was, would, would make it harder for people to get it just based on maybe, who knows? I mean, they should be doing autopsies, and if you can't directly link it, I mean, people die from alcohol overdose. I mean, are you making alcohol illegal? Are you, I mean, do people die from all types of overdoses, you know, painkillers, whatnot. Like, are you going to make everything illegal that could kill somebody? Like, I, I, I could, I know a, a friend of mine, who, his daughter is allergic to peanut butter. I mean, are we going to make peanut butter illegal? Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, if it helps so many people, then maybe I understand, like, okay. Let's figure out if there, if for some reason there was something uh, that ha- like there's there's some type of person that might be more likely to have maybe allergic reaction to it or something. Then let's figure that out. But all these people who, who are having positive effects from it and are in in some cases saving their lives, uh, then why stop all those people from getting it? You know, without any more information, without having any actual. Uh, 100% being sure that this is a dangerous drug and we're trying to save the public. Because that's the thing that always drives me crazy. It's always this this idea that, oh, we're doing this because we're, we're saving the public. We're trying to protect the public. Well, if you're trying to protect the public, then how about all the people that this drug or this drug, this herb has been protecting by helping them you know, wake up in the morning without pain, help, helping them... Uh, deal with 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 life situations and 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 stress and anxiety how, wh- how about those people you're not protecting those people so you're 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 helping or protecting these imaginary people that it could harm but you're hurting all, all these other people that it's helping and that's what drives me fucking crazy because it's the same mm-hmm. thing with the marijuana debate like the fact that there kids who are having seizures or kids who 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 couldn't get medical marijuana because they lived in New Jersey or whatever dumb state that that wouldn't let them get it, and and these kids have to deal with taking this handful of prescription drugs that weren't helping and have all these side effects, all because of some stubborn, you know, primitive law that that is just ridiculous. Like it, to to me, like that, you can't hear stories like that and not get emotionally upset and to me like i get upset because i know people like yourself who who swear on it and 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 it's completely helped them uh you know uh help their quality of life and and uh to think that some because of some question marks maybe Mm -hmm. you know that you're gonna just restrict it from everybody that's just seems so i just it it just frustrates (laughs) me it really does
2: well you know i have two emotional reactions to what's going on one is outrage. And the outrage I have goes goes back to uh, the simple thought that what right does the government have to tell me what I cannot and can put into my body? I mean, really, is that invasive or am I just imagining stuff here? You know, that's truly invasive. If I want to take a plant, I should be able to take a fucking plant. I'm sorry. This is what makes puts me in the kind of the libertarian category in some respects, you know um secondly i want to laugh my ass off ricky have you tried kratom
0: yes i have yeah
2: and did you get high
0: it tastes like a tea i, I tried a couple of them uh the one that um my, my sister-in-law she's uh she's been using it for a long time and she was the one who co-hosted with me liz when i had uh, chris bell on and uh she, she gave me one that that was uh, a little better for energy and a little and yeah i mean i it, it kind of tastes like a tea I, I just mixed it with water. She gave me some advice on better ways of mixing it, but I just w- was kind of uh, anxious to try it, so I just mixed it with water, and uh, it tastes like a tea. I, I mean, I felt uh, like a little energy. I felt, but it wasn't anything. I mean, it, it it wasn't anything like, it didn't feel like a drug. It didn't feel like, like I was, right. do, you know, and, and, and actually, I'll be honest, it was so mild of a feeling that, it surprised me because in some cases people have had amazing results from it, you know, from uh, pain mm-hmm. relief and stuff like that. So it was so mild that I expected something more drastic because of the right. how 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 drastically it's changed people's lives. That I'm like, oh, I, I'm gonna feel something, you know, really strong and and, and, <laughs> right. and, and, and quick. But it was it was so it was just like okay, yeah, I feel I feel a little something, but I mean, no more th- or probably less than I would if I had a big cup of coffee with x you know with an espresso shot at starbucks you know or whatnot you know so it's right you know that's the thing that drives me nuts like what you said is is so important like this idea that how do they pick because the thing is they don't they don't tell you like they pick and choose what you can put in your body because like we talked about prescription drugs i can go get lipitor that is toxic to my liver and kills my liver mm-hmm. for some cholesterol that is probably never going to kill me you know but or, or I can go buy a handle of Mr. Boston Vodka and then chug it and kill myself. But I, I can't take this herb. Like, you know, or I can't smoke a little weed. Or I can't, yeah. you know, or I can't, you know, you, it's funny. Like, this country was, was built by moonshiners, but I, it's illegal to make moonshine. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it seems like only the things that are so difficult or too difficult to to make at home that... More likely than not, you'll go purchase it. Those are the things that you you know are legal for you to to consume. But the things that are so easy to grow, like weed, or or, or, or maybe you know kratom. I don't know. I don't know how you how you grow it, but um or 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 or, or maybe uh, make some moonshine. That stuff, which is easy. Like let's make that. Like that almost seems like it's not coincidental. Like the stuff that's really hard to 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 make, like a prescription drug, or um you know some high end whiskey or scotch. Uh, then that you. You know, that's completely legal. But the stuff that you could just grow at home, because it doesn't it's so easy to grow that it would stop people from going out and purchasing some product. That's the stuff that we will put restrictions on. It it doesn't seem coincidental.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, my again, that relates to my first emotional reaction to outrage. The second one was laughable. Because I asked you, I asked you if you took it to find out what the respo- what your feeling was, and I asked you specifically, did you get high? So would you say maybe it's slightly stronger than a strong cup of coffee, pretty much? Yeah, I mean, more or less. Yeah. This is why it's laughable. This herb is totally benign. It is so absurd that it makes me laugh. Like the the mechanism of government is so plotting and and really, really stupid, ignorant, you know. But So I have to laugh. I have to laugh at, at the ridiculousness of it.
0: And and this is why I think there's more to the story because politicians usually if they're voting for something or against something or pushing for a bill or, or not pushing for a bill, like whatever their position is, usually is influenced by lobbyists. And you would think that because most politicians you figure like you know they're going on with their everyday lives trying to get reelected. they're looking you know they're they're talking to lobbyists they're trying to do uh campaign stuff and all this stuff like they don't care about kratom how does kratom affect their everyday life like it seems like the only reason they care is some somebody is paying them to care you know somebody is influencing them to care and uh and no go
2: go on and that, that's an umbrella, really. Uh, I mean, that not caring. They don't give a damn about who takes Kratom. Well, I, it, it's really an umbrella attitude. They don't give a damn about the guy on the street and what he feels and the suffering he might be going through. That's the insensitivity of power and money. that, that That's what it fosters. Complete oh. disregard for people on the street, people that are having difficult lives.
0: Well, th- th- I mean, they've done studies where people with more money and more power just as you as you gain money and power you drastically become less empathetic you know and yeah and and they've done it with um i remember this one experiment with a monopoly and they had like these kids playing monopoly and uh everybody started you know with zero and they had this candy on the table and they're like oh here's some snacks for you kids to eat while you're playing this game and they would monitor these kids and um and everybody would take the equal amount of candy nobody like took much more than the other kid and then they did the same experiment but they they let one kid start with like a million dollars or whatever. He was way richer than everybody else. And that kid immediately started eating more candy. Like almost like he he earned it or he 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 was he was more deserving of it because he was above everybody else. And uh, mm-hmm. you know and and the same thing with like uh luxury cars. They they talk about how uh People in luxury cars are less likely to stop at uh, at crosswalks for people, uh, less likely to let people get in traffic. You know, I think mm-hmm. not, not to bash BMW, but I think BMW was actually the top of the list. BMW owners were the ones who were. <laughs> but, but, uh, You know, it's 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 so true. It's it's like you know when you even if you don't. And the crazy thing, it's not it's not even if you earned it. Like so, like the monopoly experiment was interesting because it's not like he earned that. And it's like okay, I worked harder than you guys. So now this is why I feel like I'm above you guys. It's no, he was giving it, giving it. And it's similar to like people who come from. Wealthy families, and they mm-hmm. weren't earned shit. I mean, they didn't earn shit. They were just giving, uh, uh, you know, the wealth, and then they still feel like they're better than everybody else. Like, hey, you should work hard. You want to get successful, you know, just you know, stop being you know lazy and and go do something. And it's like, wait, mm-hmm. wait, you didn't earn that either, you know. And but mm-hmm. you still feel like you're above people. So it's funny the psychology of it. And uh, and James have talked. James uh, Corbett has talked about it. You know, like the the psychopathic um, similarities to to you know billionaires and people in power and and murders and so i mean like they all have like the same like type of thinking very like n- they don't care about their the, uh the common good of of uh, other people they don't care they're not empathetic they're not you know it's like it's, it's very similar symptoms and and uh you know i almost feel like to be successful and to be get to that uh, position of power you almost have to be a little psychopathic because you have to not care about um hurting people's feelings um hurting people financially you have to not care about uh screwing people or doing what's morally right you have to just basically do what's best for you and nothing else and and really just not care about being able to look in the mirror and being happy with who you see but almost live in a false reality where you're you're, you're constantly justifying and rationalizing because i've dealt with people that in the business world i've i've dealt with people who are just like you know, you're like, dude, you you screwed me. Like, you you. It's quite obvious you, you you screwed me. And it's like, no, that's because you know I have to make sure the job gets done. And you know, you're like, oh my god, you're rationalizing it. That's how you deal with this. Mm-hmm. You deal with this because you, you you convince yourself that you know these are the reasons why you do this. And it's and at the end of the day, the reason is just to make maximum money and nothing else matters. And uh and and I think that type of thinking is dangerous. But it's 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 sad that the most successful people are people like you have to have those traits. So the people that we look up to in, in a lot of cases. It's funny because I remember when Trump won and there's all this stuff about him being racist and and the black community talking about how, you know, he was racist and and all, you know, all this stuff. And then this uh, I don't know if it was an article or a YouTube show or something that i watched where they they took all these clips of rap uh uh, lyrics where they talk about idolizing trump like i'm gonna get rich like trump or i'm one day i'm gonna be powerful and and famous like trump like so you're idolizing this guy because he's rich and powerful but the reason why you dislike him now because he's racist and he's and he's and he doesn't care about other people and all this stuff that's how he got there like So you know, so it's it's funny. It's like you're you're idolizing him, but the way he got there are things that you don't respect and you dislike him for. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. you know I think it's a it's a cultural issue where we 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 judge. I mean Graham Hancock said this, and it's it's a simple quote, but it it makes a lot of sense. Like we judge people. One of the problems with society today is that we judge people based on what type of car they drive and not how many rides they've given with that car and it's <laughs> and, it, and it's simple but it's true you know it's, it's this idea that we idolize like we see a guy who's successful and uh and we want to hang out with him we want to be his friend we want to you know but i always say i'm like look at your friends look at your closest friends did you pick them based on their annual salary because I didn't, you know, and, and most people uh, uh, don't, you know, and, and those are the people that you trust. Those are the people that if you have issues, you, you, you feel like you can go to them and they can come to you. And, uh, and all that other stuff is just nonsense, you know, and the people who, who pick, you know, just wealthy friends who are successful. You're just picking them because you think it's going to help with your career and it's going to help you get ahead. And mm-hmm. you know those friendships aren't going to last.
2: Yeah, you know, in a sense, it makes me think. You know, I try to be as open-minded as possible. And when we talk about the real conspiracies, the the ones that actually have proof and research behind them, um, you could say this all boils down to one single thing: human nature. In other words, you take anybody on the street, and like the monopoly game, you know, you take anybody, give them too much power, and suddenly, yeah. So, you know, and and I've seen also the spectrum, like a lot of, there's a lot of very, very poor people out here, a lot of homeless people where I live. And, uh, you know, you could hear them gripe about the wealthy and how insensitive the wealthy are. And yeah, that's kind of true. But on the same token, I've seen wealthy people be incredibly generous, at least to me personally. I've had great experiences with uh, some of my clients who are very wealthy. And I've seen these poor people act like real assholes to others. So I mean, this is human nature. This is not this is a problem of human evolution ultimately. It's a problem not of the conspirators. It's a problem that humanity has not grown up yet, that we're not mature enough to be empathic and understand there's value in compassion.
0: Yeah, no I I, I think I, I agree with you. I, I think that yeah. But you know, I think James brought up uh, you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I, I think, I, I think it's at the end of the day, as much as we want, you know, some people think that that I think we've been sold a lie. This idea that like what brings you happiness is success financially, you know. But really, mm-hmm. what makes you happy is community and friendships and family, and I mean. I mean, I use the word family, but family doesn't necessarily have to be blood. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. people that that you're close with, that you know you yeah. go to, yeah. and uh, and those are the things that really make you happy. And, and you know, I've said this a thousand times on the show about you know people who these tribes that they find in the Amazon that have no signs of anxiety or depression or whatnot. And they just live in these tribal, you know, these little groups and don't have any of the stuff that we love like tv and internet and phones and whatnot but they're happy and yet mm-hmm. we have all the shit in the world and we're unhappy so i think right. that we have to <laughs> rethink you know what makes us happy and 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 uh, yeah i th- yeah you know it's a, it's a big question and it's a it's a it's a big issue and and but i'm not sure tech you know i think we think technology is making us happier and it's but like james said the i in, and it's something i haven't really thought about but we are tribal creatures and the nice thing about technology is that i mean look at you know just the three of us we've created a little tribe and you know tech so in in one way you know technology can help create tribes all over the world and not just in your little community where you live but you can create tribes online you know but uh, um i wonder if if I wonder if it's the same because we. i also did talk about how that does it does seem like via skype there's there there's something missing when you communicate uh through technology than in person there's there's energy that you can sense or or, or a sense of comfort or, or something that that's missing that you can't mm-hmm. get through through skype so i wonder if we could recreate tribes in some virtual reality and have this community of tribes in this virtual reality than if we would still feel like something is missing, you know, like it's not quite the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, well, every, well, you know, anything digital is virtual, it's a replication of the real world, you know? So, you know, I was gonna bring up earlier when you guys were talking about fame, you know, that, well, I, you know, I lived through the generations, so I, I saw the difference between fame then and fame now. Fame then, you know, you got groupies and, you know, all, you know, people would send you stuff in the mail and give you all this love and whatever, like, you know, playing at a stadium. If you're a rock star, you get all this love. And uh, nowadays you become famous on YouTube. And when you close down your laptop, you're still the same person you ever were. And you lose all those values. You never get those values, you know? So there's a, there's a real, I felt this early on in the internet. That there's a, a there was a there was a back in those days it wasn't called viral there was a video that went around this Canadian guy and uh, he was living somewhere in the outback and he but he had internet and uh, he would make these videos you know and he got on the early social media which might have been like AOL chat rooms and things like this and he made the most heart-rending video I'd make you cry he was just so isolated with all of his contacts and experience online with all these people. It All it did was it highlighted just how isolated he really was. And I think that's what Facebook is doing to us and 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 all these other communication devices, you know. Um, I know I'm experiencing it personally, you know. Over the years, now that I'm older, I'm, I've lost a lot of friends and, and I'm more and more and more isolated in most days. And... You know, it's it like I, I don't want to rely on my online life for to fill that void, yeah. you know, so I go to a lo- local coffee house where I know I'm going to see people in 3D. You know.
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's a, you know, it's funny because you hear comedians and you hear musicians talk about it, how you can get so caught up in writing and your work and stuff that you realize that you need something outside of that you need to Mm -hmm. go experience life to have something to write about and to have something some life experiences some relationships something to write about because if not then you're just caught up in that thing and you're missing out on what really makes us human and what really um inspires us and 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 um you know inspires us to create and be artistic and all these life experiences because that's what we're really writing about right when you're when you're Mm -hmm. creating art i mean it's really just you're 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 sharing life experiences you're sharing um perspectives on those life ex- experiences your own personal philosophies on those life experiences or um so yeah i think you can you know even with james it's funny because one thing that i wanted to ask james before he uh, let him go and i forgot that uh you know he's he's very caught up in his work and a lot of his interaction is online and i i wonder if he misses or if he feels like he's he, he misses he's he, he's missing something like he's not having that one-on-one communication because I could I could I could if I was you know it's funny because I, I always say I'm like my my goal is to one day podcast full time that would be my 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 life goal is to be able to do this for a living and just make enough money cool. where, I, where I could get by and that's always been my goal because I, I love doing this and being able to mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, like I said, start little tribes and meet all these really interesting people and really build friendships. I, I feel like, you know, on, online, mm-hmm. it, it, it's awesome. And, and, and in many cases I would never have this chance if I didn't have this podcast. And, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, I would also think that if I was doing it every single day and I was only having these online conversations, and I was only having uh, interactions with people via podcasts, you know, Skype or whatnot, then I wonder if, instead of feeling fulfilling if I would feel like okay now something's missing something's still missing you know like I would have to balance it out you know
2: well you're 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 a dad you're a family guy so is James I think that you already have your rootedness you already have your connections you know I I think in that respect like James is just simply reporting his research you know um so you know, he has his family to turn to when he's done with the day. So I think that does make a really big difference.
0: That's true. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I think I think sometimes a family, you know, having just, you know, the, the, I, I, it's really just, it makes it easy because it's like instead of being, I, I remember when I was single and then dating and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, instead of being a Friday night at home, being like, okay, I have to go out to kind of... Um, get some of that social interaction that i i I strive for and i want uh i can easily just go upstairs and be with my family and all of a sudden i have that that connection Mm -hmm. that that i constantly want yeah so it is yeah so what you need to do Vinny, is you need to pop out some kids and
2: (laughs) i do have a daughter in new york and she's uh, awesome yeah yeah she's my she's my angel i love her dearly she's coming to visit uh, in january actually so i'm excited about that
0: awesome awesome yeah there's something about uh being a parent and, and the connection you have with your children that's just unparalleled to anything it's just it's uh, oh yeah I mean I, I think a lot of it it's its that child just loves you unconditionally you know and, and you love them unconditionally and I mean I, I always say like there's a lot of ways parents can fuck up but if you just love your child and you do you know in your heart what you think is right and, and you just love them unconditionally then everything will work out you know
2: I agree with that. You know, um, I, I totally agree with that because my daughter, Hannah, she knows how much I love her. She, I know she knows that. And I know she loves me. I can tell. Um, I, look, what I was saying about being different, I proved that by, you know, destroying my own marriage. You know, uh, I couldn't be the guy. Hi, honey, I'm home after nine to five. I couldn't be that person. And back in those days, especially, you kind of had to be. So, um, because that that to me, you know, I felt like that was a failure back then on my part. I felt like it was a failure now, I don't because I realize I am just different, I'm I don't function that way. Um, but throughout my daughter has remained a constant, she's always been there, you know. So, um, well, don't be so yeah, hard on yourself yeah.
0: because I, I feel like every relationship, you know, wouldn't. Uh, both parties could always do a little more and could always be a little bit more considerate of the other person's differences and and, and needs and wants. And, and, you know, it takes two to tango, I think. But, you know, a yeah. relationship is, is a constant work. It's constant. Like, we, we like to think that, like, you know, like once you're married, that's the finish line. You're good. You Like, we made it. It's like, no, man. It's like, it's constant work. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and, it, and it's a downward spiral. Like, all it takes, it's like, okay, I stop asking my wife, how her day was at work and then i stop uh telling her she looks pretty or or good in in some clothes and then i stop you know little by little like you stop doing all those little things that kind of keep one you know you guys nice to one another and and saying you know being polite and and being sweet and all that stuff and little by little you start you know that stuff starts going away and decaying and then all that's left are two roommates who live together and just take of chores and and it's really easy to get caught up in that and caught up in like okay work's been stressful life's been stressful i don't have time to be telling her the sweet stuff or or trying to have a romantic dinner or whatever that's why i i, I joke around I, i've said this to a couple of my buddies i like kind of in a joking manner but i'm like if my wife and i didn't both love wine we probably wouldn't be married right now i'm like it's, <laughs> it, i'm like wine has kept this, this marriage together because it's it's something we both enjoy we both enjoy uh my wife's italian and uh and, uh, and and you know she loves one thing we both love um, me being Portuguese or being Italian we both love eating we both love wine so yeah. you know the one thing that it, it kind of brought us together and and before there was technology before there was. Um, you know, cell phones, TVs, all this stuff. Like, my, my parents were, were raised in a house that didn't have running water. Like, their enjoyment in life was mm-hmm. dinner time because it's like you work yeah. all day, then everybody comes together, and it's everybody's talking. Everybody gets to see one another. You're joking. You're t- talking about your day. You're talking about whatever. And um, and you're drinking. You're eating. And, and food and alcohol. Like, you know, th- that's why... When I was uh, into like uh, uh, weightlifting and stuff in my early twenties and late teens, like you you just ate what what, ta- what what you needed to eat. Like you were trying to calorie count and protein, mm-hmm. and, and food was just a necessity. Like it wasn't about pleasure. It was a, it was uh, just a necessity. And I realized like after a while, I'm like, damn it, man! Like food, the food. There's nothing wrong with food being uh, a pleasure. There's nothing wrong with with uh, you know maybe not doing it every day. But to me, like it was always a huge part of my life where it's like Friday would come around or, or Saturday would come around and we'd go out to eat. It'd be with either a girl I was dating or, or, or you know my wife or, or or my friends and we'd all just enjoy a good meal and uh, you know some nice wine. And, and we just appreciate those senses that we neglect mm-hmm. so much of the week, you know, the smells mm-hmm. and tastes and senses that people have 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 used for enjoyment for forever. You know, before there mm-hmm. was all this digital entertainment, like that's what people enjoyed, like smells and tastes. You're really paying attention to what you're smelling and tasting. And now we people just like, oh, well, I don't care. Like, just, you know, what give me whatever's quick and cheap, you know, and and um, but it's more than just the food it's it's the experience of being together and the experience of, of, of talking and, and and you know it, it gave you uh, a, a reason to all come together and spend some quality time together and so uh, I I think it's you know growing up my parents they would give me you know if I got a bad grade or my report card it was it was a big deal but if I missed dinner, it was the biggest deal. Like, and I I didn't get it quite you know, uh, quite as I uh, well as I d- do now. Like growing up, I was like, I don't get it. Like it's just dinner. Like why? Who cares if I'm not if I'm late or if I say, hey, just I'll warm it up when I get home. Like, but it was about being together and it was about mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not even sure they understood. Like they did it because their parents were strict on them about it. And I'm not sure they understood how big of a deal it was in regards to just you know they they because they really would just tell me like, no, you have to be you know, but they. It would never give me an explanation and uh, but as i got older i realized like okay i get it like it was because that's what keeps the family together like we all might be going our separate ways because of our busy lives but once we have uh dinner it gives us a reason to all come together and spend some quality time together and um and see one another and and talk and 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 whatnot so i think there's some uh bigger importance to it than just eating and and you know and, and drinking but um that community you know that that just being together
2: I'm smiling right now because I'm thinking of my ex-wife and an ex-girlfriend of mine, both of which, when the relationship broke up, said to me, you know, there's that moment where where um, your erstwhile partner says, uh, you know, one thing I learned from this relationship was, and my wife said, one thing I learned from this relationship was, you have to get Romano cheese when you're eating pasta. It has to be Romano. <laughs> My ex-girlfriend, who was in the habit of, her idea of dinner was grabbing a bagel, jumping into her car and running off to the next client, and I told her, no, you can't do this, and her, you know, eventually, you know, because I was brought up the same way, dinner is important, you know, and eventually, you know, the important thing about our relationship was he taught me to sit down and eat dinner, <laughs> so yeah, I that mean- was a profound effect I had on on these women.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, growing up, it was a sacred thing. And I didn't understand it. And at times I would fight it and be upset because I wanted to be doing something else. But I, I love the fact that we continue that tradition. with. Uh, but you think about it, like, it's probably one of the oldest traditions known to man, like the idea of groups of people coming together to eat, you know. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, during the day where everybody might be doing their tasks, but everybody came together to eat. When it was time to eat, they came together and they appreciated the work and and that went into it. I mean, I, some of it's I think uh, issue too is our disconnection to our food. You know, we don't we can just buy it. We don't actually have to kill it. We don't have to. You know, you can just buy it made. You can just heat it up. So I think there's a sense of appreciation because you knew somebody uh, had to kill it and, and, and cook it and you know carve it or whatever. Um, so when dinner time came, it's like you know what I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna actually savor the tastes and smells yeah. because I knew that yeah. like, the work that somebody put into. Uh, put into this, to so I can have this little bit of enjoyment. Where now it's like, okay, well I can just go to a drive-through, grab some stuff that somebody made in some factory, you know, God knows where, and then some kid, you know, heated up in a microwave and then sold it to mm-hmm. me. So, you know, so, uh, you know th- I think that might be an issue too. So but, uh, speaking of dinner, I know that you have to eat and, and, and uh, I think this conversation is making us both hungry, I'm both hungry. <laughs> but, uh, but thanks Vinny. I, thanks again. Uh, we'll, we'll, have to, you know, I, I know this was supposed to be a, a part two, but maybe we'll just do this every once in a while. Uh, you, James and I will just get together and bullshit for, for an hour or So, and, uh, i love it. And, and catch up. I, I really enjoy our conversations and we're all so different, but so similar in, in, in the same way that it's, uh, it makes for a nice interaction. And, uh so we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to talk to James and, and, you know, every once in a while, hey, get, get together yeah. and we'll, we'll yeah. reconnect, see, see what's going on. And I, I, there's so many avenues that we can go down with uh, talking. And there, it just seems like there's always something going on in the news or in the world that uh, oh, yeah. it always seems like there's, there's never a lack of uh, something to talk about. So we'll have to reconnect again soon.
2: And real quick, um, yeah. I did watch the video. Um, I forget his name now, and I'm sorry about that. The musician that you wanted to do a three-way oh, uh, podcast. Uh, Brian Stone, yeah. yeah. I listened to that, and he was really interesting, and he's really intelligent, and I loved what he had to say. And I thought, wow, I could kick into this conversation really easy. So if you want to set that up in the future, I'm down for it.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, a, that's a cool thing about this show. I, I, uh, a little bit was because – um I didn't because it was a hobby, I never wanted it to feel like work. So I, I, uh, you know, I always wanted to keep it casual, and I wanted to have people on who could just, you know, it's. It, I almost feel like it's jamming, like we're jamming, yeah. you know, like, you know, that's actually the perfect. I've never even thought of it this way, but just now, like, it's like it's like jamming, you know, like you're kind of just falling, you're riffing off one another. It's like you you go off down this road, and we're like, okay, let's follow, follow Vinny. That I like that beat that he's playing, or that you know, whatever he's <laughs> playing, and uh, it's kind of the same thing, and and I, I, that's what I really enjoy about it. You know, it's it's the idea that there really isn't some script it's kind of just goes wherever and if you just you know i've been very lucky knock on wood that um everybody that i assume is going to be able to kind of jam right and just have like a a fun conversation Mm -hmm. uh they've you know it's worked out so uh knock on wood it's worked out so far and and i've been very lucky to meet some really fun interesting people and i always get something from these conversations you know i always i always feel like i leave these conversations almost like after playing a gig you know like i've like Mm -hmm. i've learned something i've gotten something off my chest and i've explored some thoughts and ideas that i haven't um you know explored before so uh it really i mean these shows are therapy to me you know they really you know now that i'm not playing music as much as i used to uh these shows have really kind of filled that little emptiness that uh music has left so uh, that's awesome that's awesome yeah so well great yeah. let's do. Yeah, absolutely. sounds good. Yeah, we'll get we'll get together with Brian uh, soon, and then we'll also uh, we'll we'll talk to James and get together with him again, and uh, we'll right. just ma-
2: we'll make sure where
0: everybody's talking about the same time zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because me and James yeah. were, ta- were talking about how like because I once I got your message I let him know that happens all the time. Like don't don't feel bad about it. It's it's it happens very. You'll be very surprised how often that happens, and even times where and it's funny because me and James both said like fuck. I'm like neither of us did you did you give a any uh a, a, a reminder email because i'm like i didn't you know and neither of us did and uh and usually you know i do every once in a while i'll throw you know I'll be like, hey you know what let me just throw a reminder email just in case but uh but it, it's okay it happens but like i said let's not this doesn't have to be uh you know the end all be all uh you know end to our conversations we can we can uh, continue this and hopefully have many more uh you know group conversations roundtable conversations in the future
2: It was in my calendar. And by the way, I was all ready to set up at 7.30 PST (laughs) for this (laughs) podcast.
0: Hey, it it happens. No no, no big deal. Like, I'm glad that we still caught you. I was hoping, too, because, like, while me and James were talking – i don't know if he caught on, uh caught on to it but i'm like i'm trying to hold him i'm like let me keep james talking until like maybe <laughs> benny gets back to me and i'm like trying to hold on to it for as long as possible I'm like because at least if we can get you to jump in at some point i'm like i can uh, hold on to james i know james has a super busy schedule so i'm like i'm like crossing my fingers i, I uh you know i'd hear from you soon but which i did so it was, it was awesome that we all got to talking like i said let's do it again soon you know let's not wait so long to, to do another one
2: great i love the idea
0: thanks hey thanks Vinny thanks again and uh, we'll keep in Thank touch you. and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again I'll, I'll get, get to you uh, throw you an email in regards to Brian and we'll, we'll schedule something soon sounds good thanks Vinny enjoy the rest of your day and we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch
2: alright take care take care Vinny i in the